Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 184, brand two in A Dance with Dragons, featuring Tanya and Nikki from the Thousand Eyes and One podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Yes! Here for the big introduction to <laughs> The Three-Eyed Crow, we have A Thousand Eyes in One podcast, and we have both Tanya and Nikki here this week. Hello, hello. Hi. Thank hey. you for having us. Thanks, Thanks for, for having coming. us, and also for having me not for dinner. <laughs> oh. oh my we god, sorry. Yes. You heard, you heard oh my god. <laughs> we did say we were having you. I did hear the pleas of run, Tanya, run. <laughs> <laughs> and yet she's still uh, here. We like to say we're a comedy podcast. <laughs> a comedy and a food podcast. I guess you were the food. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. What better time to have you both on? One, I think this is the first time we're having uh, a swath like foursome. I don't think we've I've, we've had like one guest, but I don't know that we've had in a song of ice and fire two for two on two. So this is so Ooh. exciting. And for Blood Raven, I mean, having you all here, thousand eyes in one podcast. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited too. What's new with the podcast? What's been going on? I know you've been doing live streams and reading books. What uh, what's coming up for you? We've been doing thirty Tuesdays. It's our monthly live stream where we drink 32 ounces of beer and discuss or wine. or wine and discuss any show, any movie, just whatever happens to be on our mind that month. We recently yeah. did Coming to America was our most recent. Yeah, we had a Black That's... History Month festival. So we've done I'm going to get you sucker Love Jones coming to America. And if we make it. On Tuesday, we're going to do House Party and Don't Be a Menace. Oh, that's so fun. That's great. We'll drop the link below. You all have to go listen in on that. We decided to do 30 Tuesdays as a way for us to cover stuff that's not in the world of Ice and Fire and that doesn't fall into our speculative fiction book club, Wine on an Empty Stomach. Oh, okay. So this yeah, gives yeah. us the opportunity to do things that we'd like to do, but like don't have the time to focus so much attention on. Right. Because so, like, if we do a show, when we do it with 30 Tuesday, we don't have to do like an episode by episode commitment. We can just do... Just that one yeah. live stream and have a bunch of fun. And we always have a guest. So if there's ever one you want to join, let us know. Be a guest and we can all <laughs> we can all drink our 32s and we get so talk sick. shit. <laughs> and have us for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I want I want that. I do. It, it's a fun vibe, right? Like every yeah. the trivias are we're always a fun vibe. And are you guys going to do more in-person trivia now that things have kind of cleared up or more just keeping it only offline? We'd like uh, to we do did an in-person trivia a couple months ago, but we'd like to do uh, definitely more in-person trivia. It's about finding a good location yeah, and management that wants to work with us. Yeah, <laughs> I, we'd really like to go back to our distillery, but they have new management who mm. doesn't know us. And so, and it's been a few oh. years because of the pandemic, so... It's kind of yeah. like having to start all over again with them. So hopefully, if not there, then somewhere else that's easy to get to. And <laughs> the last one oh, was not easy to get hike. to. <laughs> I mean, shout out to the Stone oh. Bridge, but whew, Whitestone is far. Yeah. No matter where you're coming from. Yeah. In New York. <laughs> yeah. It was really far, but we had a lot of fun and we had really a really good crowd and we miss it. Mm. We might even do some virtual ones again. I don't know. They were hard. 
They were really cute. They were really, really hard. Yeah. Me and Eliana were in the side chat, like, alone, like, going. I was like, what what is this? I don't know this. I remember being very embarrassed. And some of my, like, teams, I was like, I don't know this. Mm. What the fuck is this? Yeah. It really (laughs) tests people's knowledge. And I I was joking to Tanya that I don't know that we'd be able to pass our trivia questions (laughs) either. Outside of the research that we do. Yeah. Sometimes I go Mm -hmm. back and I'm like, what the fuck? I have no yeah. idea what the answer to this is. And I'm like, but I wrote this question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very humbling. I mean, I showed up. I felt kind of cocky. And I was like, this is going to be so fun. It'll be a good, easy time. No stress. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm we had a guy right once now. that boasted about how many trivias he's won for Game of Thrones. The first round, we do anagrams. And he quit during, mm-hmm. he quit during the right, anagrams right, right. round. Which are arguably oh, yeah. the hardest one. It's like the hanograms are the great equalizer. Like you don't have to know the books to like, right? Or the or the show to to yeah. participate. Just unscramble some letters. But he dropped out the first round. And we were like, okay, bye. <laughs> I agree. The anagrams are like the one that I'm like, maybe I could do this. <laughs> That's the one where you start out with a little bit of hope, and then you go to the next one. And I'm like, oh fuck. But then Pictionary pulls it all back together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I am that one. I feel like I can I can do right. That one I uh that's amongst my strengths. if i'm the one pictionarying right if i'm the one guessing i don't know i feel that i'm i'm good at the pictionarying the piction my piction is great yeah any other books coming up also on uh wine on an empty stomach yes we just did the world we make nk jemison's uh sequel to the cb but yeah tanya i think you're right Good luck, girls. Yeah, we were going to do good luck, girls. We also talked oh. about possibly doing Tress of the Emerald Sea, but it's too soon because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm only 60% through and it's March now, pretty much. So I'm getting ready for that next book to drop. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Are you guys Brandon Sanderson fans? I am. Yeah, I, I, I read the Stormlight series. <laughs> Wait, is it is it coming out already? He wrote four secret novels oh, right. uh, in 2020 That's and right. they're being released now. That's what's up. That's cool. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he wrote I so know. many things. Yeah. I was like, bro, don't you have a family? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't until I realized that his wife works in his company that she's probably encouraging him to write. Well, yeah, I think he she's said like, he wrote, he originally yeah. wrote it for her. And then she was like, you need to share this. Aww. Aww. Which is sweet. So cute. That's what's up. That is. You know, some people had some really productive pandemics, and I'm happy for that. <laughs> yeah. I love that for you. I'm really happy for that. Yeah, love that for them. Love that for you, Brandon. XOXO. Yeah. I pretty much ate food and got pregnant. So, not. <laughs> I guess it, that I think it could be considered though. productive. You made a whole person. Yeah. You made uh, a whole person. <laughs> literally, that's the most pro- productivity right there. Uh, I made Cheetos. <laughs> Go to my stomach. I don't think I, don't I made anything. I don't think I did anything. Yeah. We did this. We did Girls Gone Canon, which was fun. It's uh, continuing to be fun as long as Eliana says I have to. <laughs> Look at all the fun we're having. My favorite Game of Thrones quote. <laughs> uh, well, we're so excited to have you on. We'll leave some links below for you to follow up on A Thousand Eyes and One. We'll do a little housekeeping and get into the episode. I'm excited to chat on the episode with you. So before we get into all of that, first things first, Patreon episode for February. If you're listening to this episode, it should already be out. You should already have it if you're in the stranger tier and above at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N. 
that episode was the mystery night which is a blast i am so excited for you all to hear this episode over at patreon because you know we we birthed this podcast off of night of the seven kingdoms it was born was uh, a whole entire idea that we had all because of drunk and egg and here we are <laughs> finishing up the published work so far uh, yeah. next this uh next patreon episode is to be announced so stick around you'll hear that in the following couple weeks yeah drunken egg has somehow become very sober um <laughs> since since then <laughs> we're we've uh we've changed but also a couple of other things that we have that are fun is this month march at the end of the month our final week we will be discussing sailor moon we are kicking off our coverage of sailor moon crystal so again everyone the new series that started airing in like the 2010s so i think 2017 right was or so was when sailor moon crystal season one dropped and not the 90s anime because there's a lot more episodes of that and a lot of it was monster of the day because things were different back then when we aired things yeah it's still fun to watch like i definitely recommend watching the old one however it's kind of like metal alchemist style right brotherhood versus the original run i guess yeah. most people would rather watch brotherhood because it's a little more accurate to the manga in some ways and just a little swifter in delivery and pacing is really good so i really am liking it however i did notice something through season one so far that you mentioned eliana because we were talking about how, when i mentioned delightfully how i liked the graphics and you were like sometimes there's this moment in one of the final battles where it's like I don't know, it's like dolls in headlights, right? Like, what happened to the... It was very funny. I can't wait oh, to yeah. chat about it. The budget. Yeah, there's a moment. The budget. The budget. It always, everything Ooh. always comes down to the budget with all of these, so... Yeah, I will... We'll, we'll talk more about that in March. For certain. For certain. And, of course, we will be having our Discord happy hour and brunch for patrons in the Thunder tier and above. Just icebreakers hanging out. Sometimes we play Jackbox games. Check out uh, our Patreon for that information when it's going to drop, and we'll also let you know what date it will be soon on the podcast, probably in this same spot next week or the week after. Once more, we are not going to share our email address. No, we keep pushing it back. I'm sorry. George does it too with his book, so I think we're allowed. Um, <laughs> we, we will be covering Maddie's essay on Blood Raven next week. Promise. We have to because it's the last branch chapter. All 18 parts of it, you know, all 27 pages. Every time yes. I speak about it, it grows. I don't know if you've noticed that, but... It grows in the telling, just like Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe the Song of Ice and Fire were the emails we received all along. Wow, George emailed... Th that means George emailed us the Winds of Winter, everyone. JK, <laughs> Look I, under wish, your chair. I wish. Look under um. your chair. Look in your spam folder. Just kidding. Well... <laughs> Without further ado, this brings us to our lightning round, which of course will be covering the chapters that we missed between Brand 1 Adawada and Brand 2 Adawada, and I'm going to start it off with Tyrion 2. Illyrio has ascended the Bachelor and the Bachelorette to create his hot new dating program, The Dragon. Why is this British spelling? I don't know what's wrong with me, I was drunk. <laughs> The Merchant's Man, contestant number one on The Dragon, Quentin begins his journey on The Adventure in hopes of coming home a winner with his own bachelorette. John, too. Our next contestant on The Dragon is too busy managing a failing penal colony to attend, 
But don't worry, he's dying to meet Daenerys. <laughs> Tyrion 3. Tyrion isn't quite sure if he's going to be a contestant on Dragon yet, but he has a chance to meet our next contestant, Young Griff, and the father of the groom, Old Griff. Davos 1. Davos will not be watching the dragon, nor will he be competing. He is far too busy smuggling himself from Sweet Sister to White Harbor. John 3. At Castle Black, a pretender is burnt. And another seems like they will burn out. Ooh, Daenerys <laughs> 2. In Marine, our bachelorette faces stressful times. Attacks by the harpy's son, Quaith's warnings, and of course, traitors in her very own court. Reek 1. Things are bad. <laughs> they really are not great not great how's it hanging Theon really bad Game of Thrones birthday wrap a classic <laughs> and finally we come to Bran 2 in a dance with dragons after seeking this cave for like two and a half books Bran and company must pass a treacherous field of whites this <clears throat> launches us into Bran 2 where we have a great passage at the front Something about the way the raven screamed sent a shiver running up Bran's spine. I am almost a man grown, he had to remind himself. I have to be brave now. But the air was sharp and cold and full of fear. Even Summer was afraid. The fur on his neck was bristling. Shadows stretched against the hillside, black and hungry. All the trees were bowed and twisted by the weight of ice they carried. Some hardly looked like trees at all. Buried from root to crown in frozen snow, they huddled on the hill like giants. Monstrous and misshapen creatures hunched against the icy wind. So the opening of this chapter circles us back around to that first Bran chapter where the air is full of fear, right? Then Ned's all like, that's the only time a man can be brave when you're afraid. So Bran has to face it and be brave. I think it's really interesting with those ideas of what it means. He's all like, I'm almost a man grown. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like you're like single digit age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I have been... A grown person and that was not grown i promise <laughs> and how bran really has all this pressure like he feels like he has to live up to all these west westerosi like extremist patriarchal ideals of like masculinity and that means having to be brave despite being a child and feeling like he is failing those ideals so i thought that was really interesting i've only read through the series once and doing a reread is on my to-do list of things to this year. So I hadn't read this chapter since the first time I read it. And immediately something that I kept picturing is like, oh my God, this is way scarier than it was portrayed in the show. <laughs> this is like this entire, yeah. entire chapter is horrifying. And it starts like, you know, just starting out with the air was cold and full of fear. It made me remember how much I love George's writing because I've been away from it for so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because when I was reading it, I was like, oh my god, I would love to see this on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel that one. way, though, like a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. That's a good point. Like, they kind of played it more action sequence, right? Than horror. Mm -hmm. yeah. more, it wasn't suspenseful, really, at all. And Leaf was like throwing fireballs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you just, like, also just the reminder that Bran is so young. He is so young, you know, it's like on one hand, they've got him, he's trying to prove him to prove to himself that he needs to be grown up and that he's a man grown and he's like survived all these things up until this point. So he's just got to suck it up and continue to be brave. Um, but then you have him, you know, very soon crying like a little girl over the slain elk that they had to eat. His friend. <laughs> yeah. 
He's like, that's his friend. Nine. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I would have been, I don't think I would have been dead. I wouldn't have made it. Absolutely. Even the, um, even that language there of the shadows, right? The shadows have come back as something swallowing and chasing mm. them. Mm. And it makes it just so much, literally so much darker. I think that's something I really like in horror and in sci-fi tropes too, where usually like if you're escaping a, a enemy that's somehow like magical, when the light's out, it's not that's good. A good point. Mm-hmm. Not great. Mm-hmm. Things, <laughs> Things are, are not good. <laughs> Things are bad. <laughs> In regards to that future where, I don't know, hopefully things are not as, who knows, I don't know. But you were talking about the trees being twisted, right? And and there's language here that has the trees like bowing, which I thought was interesting. Very The personification that they're really doing with uh, this environment where the trees are bowing to like also buried from root to crown. And that language of royalty then being tied to the trees, especially when you think about it in the context of Bran's future where, you know, he's going to be like, I guess, a baby tree, but also maybe king. There's a lot of that in this chapter, I'm noticing. and I'm really glad you pointed this out because I don't think I even thought of it this way. That's great. I hadn't considered that either. I don't always know if I'm like, is this a thing or is George just like, is he being like, hee hee hee, having fun while he's writing? Or is he just like... I don't know. He's like, pay attention. Being evocative. That's important. <laughs> he could just be, yeah, being dramatic. He's always sure. being dramatic, first of all. I think another thing that makes that portion really scary is that Summer's afraid, too. Mm. Yeah. Because we're so That's used to the direwolves being the ones who are brave and, you know, ready to go fight, but instead Summer is afraid. And if Summer's afraid, then fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Supernatural puppy. It's shaken in his boots. The ranger draws his sword. They are near. The wolves are close too. Hodor has basically turned into a human icicle, and no one knows how Jojen's doing, but spoiler, not great. Coldhand says they must climb. It will be dark soon, and they have to be inside before the night falls. Their warmth will draw them. <laughs> Removing the name of the enemy makes it so much more chilling here, mm-hmm. right? That they won't say who it is, that they don't talk about who. But, and that's like through the whole first part here, I feel like George is like really coyly not saying who they are, even though we all kind of have an idea that it's the white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just made me think of it. Mm. Uh, I don't watch scary things. So oh, I, need, I was going to say I need context because <laughs> I've only seen the more. one. Okay. So it is a murderous clown that lives in a sewer and everyone just calls it it. And it makes it kind of extra scary because it doesn't, it's this thing that doesn't have a name. You just know that it murders um, children, and it's just called It, and then the book and the movie, I think, are both just called It. So when he says the warmth will draw them, it's like, them who? You mm, know? Yeah. This not naming it makes it makes it really, really scary. Yeah, because when you because know it's, you know, the fear is... of the unknown. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I was going to say, now that you yeah. say that, knowing that his name is Pennywise, it's not as scary. <laughs> yeah, his name's Pennywise, <laughs> but... yeah. Nobody calls them Pennywise. Yeah. They just say it is coming. That is really interesting. Yeah, like how, you know, this idea that names have power, but also that it can dispel power as well when you can name something. Mm-hmm. We don't really know much about them, right? It's it's interesting. So I thought, like, any sort of little tidbit we get on how they work is interesting, like, of the warmth drawing them and that they're drawn to warmth because we aren't really told what they're after 
No. That's so sad. And knowing that their warmth draws them means there's no way at all to hide. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good point. All you can do is try to outrun. The true yeah. song of ice and fire, mm. right? Like, humanity is warmth. That's what makes us human is that, like, different warmth between us and a white. Us being yeah. characters in the book. I know that the whites aren't real, but <laughs> just defending myself there. <laughs> uh, just in case. <laughs> But it's also, like, kind of sad, though, right? Like, the whites didn't yeah. ask to be made whites. I don't know why I'm, like, constantly, I feel like I gotta defend them a little there, because I'm like, dude, their lives are probably really cold. It's really shitty. Of course they want warmth. Or they're trying to get, I guess, like, seek life from them, or I don't know. And But yet fire, they don't, it, they only go for, like, living warmth, right? Because mm-hmm. the fire, obviously, is bad for them, as we see again later. So I guess the, the warmth is more so to track life. It's not necessarily yeah. the warmth that they're seeking, but life that they're seeking. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like the predator. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's great. Yeah, a white predator would be a sight to watch. That'd be some scary shit. I'm sure there's fan art. There's got to be fan art. Remember, everyone was making fan art about whites with anything. Oh, yeah, Midjourney <laughs> probably have all kinds of stuff cooked up for you if you throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, Midjourney. Predator. White. <laughs> HD, 4K, realistic gameplay. So this is the only reasonable way in, and the path ahead looks clear. It looks so, echoes the ranger darkly. Mira suggests that they are inside the cave, but the ranger says that the cave is warded halfway up between the weirwoods and the rock. Ravens fly in and out of the entrance. Bran can see it, but Mira cannot quite see it. Ah, oh, Bran's got really good eyesight. The hill is steep. Thickly wooded and still filled with snow, though no footprints are in the snow, Bran points out, and the ranger says the White Walkers go lightly on the snow and that they'll find no prints to mark their passage. And this is really dumb of me. I never noticed until, like, this read-through that this is probably why they were called the White Walkers, because they, like, tread on top of the snow. Mm. Uh Leaving no prints behind. The ones who walk upon the white. I never noticed that. Yeah, I never thought about that either. Huh. I'd say this all reminds me of the prologue of A Game of Thrones. It's just like, except now I kind of, like, you know what you're dealing with, but you still have so much, like, so little information about them that your hackles are up because you're like, okay, well, these people are here and all the other signs that I've seen before, you know, the air being colder than cold and and just the silence mm. that's happening. Yeah, this is so ominous. Incredibly creepy. I love that. And Coldhand saying that it looks clear. The, the way I read that too is another thing that's just like really creepy because it's like, what do you mean it only looks clear? Like, what's mm-hmm. what's up there? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a good point. There's something interesting about him holding back the information, right? Like he and Bran mm-hmm. both kind of seem to know what lies ahead. But again, if you say it out loud, it probably really kills the morale, right? It really fucks that morale right up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. It doesn't make me want to run toward the cave, right. personally. Yeah, it's like how slugging if any, my dying brother. Exactly, it's like I can only just see that instilling fear and paralysis. Is like after you and you've been through so much already that like like why wouldn't they be real at this point? You know, <laughs> even if you didn't believe, like yeah. just why not? Also, if maybe they don't want to like manifest them being there, so at this point mm. they probably mm. believe in it. But if you maybe if I don't talk about it, it won't happen. I get that. As lately, I've been like, I don't know, people will say things. I'm like, please stop manifesting this. Mm, right. Please yeah. do not yeah. <laughs> crash right. the car because you have manifested it. Right. So, um, yeah, they yeah. could just be like, let me just not even say it. At least in Brand's case, I, I think that for 
the ranger it's probably something different but i think for bran it's like if i just don't say it maybe it won't be true mm-hmm. it's going back to his little boy mindset uh-huh and i like kind of what you were saying nikki about how it's similar with the prologue right because I feel like we've been given all of this world building and lore since the very first prologue Mm -hmm. and these continual prologues and epilogues and little things that give us a little more about the world not from our main characters. And now all of it is finally reaching our main characters, right? So we already Mm -hmm. have the context and now we're surrounding that context on Bran and Jon and all these characters. And it's kind of cool. It's a smart way to world build. As you were saying that, I was thinking about too is that that there's a sense in both of those, like in this chapter and both those products of because of the way that George shifts who's talking and from, you know, who's answering the questions that you feel like you're being watched. It's like somebody is seeing, Mm. like watching from the outside, watching them have these conversations with each other, just like in stealth mode. And I don't think I ever like really realized that until now, but now I'm drawing that connection between both of those chapters. I feel very much like there's somebody else, you know, outside telling me the story who could like who could have reported back this person. This person said this. They're doing this now. um, And that makes it even creepier. Yeah. And now anytime there's a goddamn bird north of the wall, I'm like, what? Blood Raven. Blood Raven's watching. That and Pale Mist. He's out there. That's eye number 960. <laughs> I hope that they're named. No, oh, I haven't considered that. You were say, saying something earlier about like how Bran knows what they are, right? He knows what's out there, but isn't telling other people. And it's it's comes back again to like Jojen and Mira don't really know it because they didn't care or like grow up with these stories. Whereas like Bran was like a huge nerd about all of like these different stories about. You know history or the monster tales from old nan so he's like oh god they're all true <laughs> yeah but that must be so frightening like mm-hmm. these childhood stories that yeah. were told to you to just to be like a fun spooky thing like imagine thinking finding out that your favorite horror movie is real yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Threw up. <laughs> or imagine finding out hop on pop is real hop on pop. <laughs> oh the horror i'm gonna read you guys around a new book poor pop <laughs> oh no <laughs> a raven had settled on cold hands's shoulder They kind of decreased in quantity over the last few days, so the flock that was following him is a little less, which kind of shows some of that moving around by those burbs where they're going. Come, the bird squawked. Come, come, come. The three-eyed crow, thought Bran, the green seer. I found this line so interesting on this read-through because since we know it's Bloodraven, Mm -hmm. and considering we know how many Targaryens have had dragon dreams historically, it kind of puts that thought of, like, what is the real difference of dragon dreams and green dreaming? Or are they one in the similar? Or one in the same? Or connected somehow? Right? Does Bloodraven also have dragon dreams, possibly? Hmm. I kind of thought they were the same. And just one calls it. And also the Targaryens, you know, they kind of sometimes think that they're magical, so they think that they're the only ones who have these dreams. So, of course, they're dragon dreams. But Mm. everywhere else where Mm. people have them, or at least in Westeros and yeah. They call them green dreams. I would think that they're the same. Yeah, I feel like they're the same pool. Yeah. And I now agree. and now that he's north in the north, he's learned about green seers and those things and mm-hmm. probably just stopped calling them dragon dreams because they're green dreams. They're not just yeah. for dragons, they're for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What if they're for green dragons specifically, like Rhaegal? <laughs> oh, 
Or like Vagar. Oh, that's right. We got confirmation on Vagar's color recently, didn't we? Yeah, very green. They're all cold and hungry, and it's time to make the ascent. Mira tells them to go ahead while she tends to Jojen, the eyes closed, shivering violently, colorless as the snow. Mira carried him all the way, and Bran tells himself, food and fire will fix him, but he's not really that sure that it will. Mira directs Hodor to take Bran first, since she can't fight and carry Jojen with this steep of a climb. And Bran says Jojen needs to eat. It's been 12 days past since the elk collapsed for the final time, and Cold Hands had to slit its throat. Bran wept like a little girl when the bright blood came rushing out. He'd never felt more like a cripple than he did then, watching helplessly as Mira Reed and Cold Hands butchered the brave beast who had carried them so far. He told himself he would not eat, that it was better to go hungry than feast on a friend. But in the end, he, he'd eaten twice, once in his own skin and once in Summer's. The steep climb. I was thinking about how they said it was a thousand yards, right? And Ooh. in order to, like, put that in context for me, that's going around a track and field track four times and then halfway. So four and a half times. Fuck. And they're doing that all uphill. So, like, a thousand yards is not that short a distance. It's a little over a mile. And you're going Shit. uphill, carrying a person. Listening and out starving. for whatever, starving, cold, and worried about them. Yeah. I, rec I recently, <laughs> like, not a mile, I guess. I don't think it was a mile. Maybe it was a mile. It was uphill, and it was a struggle. I didn't have anything on me. It was a struggle, and I was like, man, I really wish that I had had a protein bar before this hike. <laughs> but imagine, like, doing it starving. I'm like, I cannot. I was so hangry, and I was like, mm, what am I going to eat after this? Mm. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I just, I'd be dead. I just had to Google. I think I was my like, math was off. A hundred yards in a football field, so it's ten football fields uphill. Right. Yeah, which is just, I would just wow. you know, I'll just give up. <laughs> I, I told <laughs> right. somebody the other day I'm I'd gonna... survive a zombie apocalypse, but I don't know if I do it running uphill in the snow. So maybe I take that back. But something that that sticks out to me is just like coming back to again his mindset as like you know being childish. He's like a food in a fire. Like how many times has he probably heard somebody repeat that? You know, say that to somebody else. A food in a fire will fix him right up. A food in a fire will fix him right up. You know, he's like he just needs to eat. That that'll solve everything. Um, it's just a very naive perspective when you know they need mm. way more than food in a, in a fire. <laughs> they need protection. They need all the things. It's kind of sad because with that context, like. For him, it's the opposite, right? If Bran really is possibly cannibalizing his friend or anyone to be able to scry and use his powers, stronger powers, like, it's kind of fucked up that for Bran, it does matter. Like, for Bran, eating could change everything, but for Jojen, his fate is sealed. Mm -hmm. That motherfucker's about to die. It's yeah. over. Like, there's no elk, no quote-unquote pig that's gonna put him right at this point. Pig. <laughs> <laughs> quote. Yeah. Quote. <laughs> being yes. eaten what you're saying about Jojen right like that's his friend and Bran I don't know if he has like it in him especially right now to to kill a friend right someone you cared about and we can see that like with his reaction to the elk he's like that was our friend and I do think that's kind of really what's at the heart of a lot of this story and that includes the that includes Night King's story and the idea of like the things I do for love what Night's King did in regards to his, I guess, corpse bride and what he did to keep her, but also, like, how it's his own brother who has to put him down, I guess, and defeat him for everything that he's doing. Like, that's that seems real 
difficult and painful that he would have to do that. And then he weeps watching someone kill an animal, this elk that he considered a friend, but he had to show no emotion when Ned beheaded an actual like human in front of him. Mm-hmm. We, as someone who was running from them. And then like that he's not allowed to show that emotion and he thinks of it as weeping like a little girl. And I guess that comes... I'm not faulting Bran for this. This is like, you know, what his society has taught him, right? Mm-hmm. It's some it's a common phrase, even like in our own world, when it comes to patriarchal societies and how it asks for that repression of emotion. But I think there's kind of an irony to it when we've seen a lot of little girls throughout this series who weren't permitted to weep when people that they cared for died, right? Like mm-hmm. Arya wasn't given that chance when it came to to Ned. Arya's had a lot of friends die. Or Daenerys, you know, cries in the moments beforehand, but she doesn't really have a chance to show that grief after having killed Drogo or... Right, she has to be strong for the people following her. Yeah, she has to show strength and exert strength um, to show herself as a leader in a very hyper-masculine culture. Well, Catelyn, like even a grown-ass woman too, to put it there, like that one passage she has the when she's like, I just want to cry. I just want to weep and be small and fucking cry. It's hard. And yeah. I don't know, maybe George should have written, like, a 30-year-old woman. Because I cry all the fucking time. <laughs> I actually time. cry more as an adult than I did yep. as a child. Yep. Yeah. And it's, like, normal. Like, it just shit just leaks out of my eyes, and I'm like, don't know why that's happening, but we're just going to move on. Little stress cry. <laughs> Get it out of your system. It's like my friend's shirt. I forgot the exact phrasing of it, but it's like, I'm really awesome, and I cry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like The whole that. package. Yeah. The whole package. I should use that as an affirmation. Mm-hmm really awesome like, and i cry a lot that. and i cry a lot and not but no. it's important not to have like the but but i cry no it's and i cry a lot no it's and yeah yeah that's what we're doing in 2023 ladies we're crying more and accepting it shout out to the shower cry <laughs> <laughs> for real just pretend you're in an r&b video the rain falling and just cry your eyes oh my out God. yeah just no just slide. me <laughs> no I'm, I'm more of a seated in the shower cry yeah. yeah i like a good pillow scream cry blanket cry oh, i'm really into a couch blanket cry mm, you too I do that one a couple times a week yeah you got to do the shower cry with a glass of wine it is yes impeccable epic mm. my friend got me a shower wine speaker Bluetooth speaker, so it holds your glass Ooh. of wine while you're in the shower, but also plays music. Oh my music. god! Oh, yeah, I need that. That's cool. Yeah. And the, it actually sounds really good too, much better than I expected. How do you feel? Okay, this is very random. How do you feel about the prospect of like the water falling into your wine, though? I remember I have it, struggling with that with shower beers. I have it on the back half of my my like not next to the mm. thing. I have it on the back wall when I put it in there. Okay. Yeah. I have like a little table just outside my shower. And I just rest it. it there. Yeah. Just to do it, put it on my side. Yeah, to keep it out of the way. Yeah. I'm not good at like taking showers pleasurable, like enjoying them. Like I'm like a really fast shower. So for me, I'm like, I just drank it before I got in the shower. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Pre-game the shower. I <laughs> I've heard. The, I'm sorry. I'm still off topic. I've heard eating an orange in the shower is a very pleasurable experience. Something about oh. like the, the orange, like the oil. Filling. Citrus. Yeah. The citrus mm. oil. Oh, yeah. yeah, that sounds amazing. Refreshing. Yeah, that's my to do list. That I would try. Huh. Yeah. That yeah. actually sounds really great. Going for oranges after this. That's what I brought <laughs> yeah. for all of you today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's the Inside. Where's the rain stick for that? The shower oh, wait, stick. Hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, we perfect. We <laughs> we this did is it. Intentional. 
eat that orange. <laughs> orange are so mm. delicious. Imagine your teeth sinking into the juicy goldness of the orange as the water trips down your body. Is this an ASMR? What I think we do ASMR now. <laughs> oh man so yeah where were we we were talking about little girls and big girls crying Uh, oh yes eating friends fergie lied yeah eating friends friends. not oranges meats the meat different meat Mm. I think it's just like he talks about feeling helpless even more like is even more of a, of a cripple but i feel like he's physically in, incapable of moving on his own he's emotionally incapable of kind of processing all the mm. things that are happening and i think it's just that that mm. sense of helplessness you kind of see it except for in, within cold hand with cold hands but you kind of get to see that hat be donned by everybody in this scene just like i don't know that i can actually continue and go on this might this might be where you lose me yeah there's something too like he's going back and forth with his inner state, mm-hmm. right? And by being in summer, being in Hodor, being in other creatures, I feel like he kind of is like lost between being Bran the boy and Summer the wolf and, and the animal, right? Like with the elk for him, now that he's like understood this level of life, right? Like living through the eyes of another and and controlling their body and like seeing so many things and being able to to see outside of himself now like this is really wild like very body horror in this chapter specifically when he sees himself laying there like half dead it's so body horror but he almost seems to really understand and connect with animals now a lot more like i'm not talking eliza thornberry completely but uh, you know he's very he's really upset about eating the elk because he understands what the elk has done for them and where in the circle of life the elk currently mm-hmm. is and that the circle of life is fucking over for the elk it's probably going to be a lot easier for him to connect with animals than humans yeah uh reindeer are better than people as i've been told exactly that's what i said thank you yeah it's <laughs> exactly frozen. what i meant by frozen <laughs> which is actually not that dissimilar story if you think about it from what we're going through right now um i guess it's like eating having to eat your pet yeah yeah yeah, actually, though. They did it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Bran. Are you calling Jojo? Overkill. <laughs> Summer had no, to eat, too. He ate twice. Yeah, ate the true. elk twice. So it's like, you didn't feel that bad. Well, maybe it was almost penance, right? Like, fine, if we're going to eat of it, I better go be present both times for everything right. it did for us. Rip. Rip elk. Did he have to be in summer though? The time that he did it, like the second yeah, time. Yeah, like that's a choice. Yeah, because it's yeah, not right. like it's not like summer would not have you know summer would have passed on the elk, <laughs> right? If left to summer left was to waiting his own devices, right? Summer's like no, no, no. Yeah, I'll just take more snow, please. No, yeah. <laughs> summer was trying to eat that elk from like the beginning, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is interesting. He didn't have to be in summer for that. Like, you know, maybe just that's really just hungry. a little bit, yeah, exactly, a little bit of selfish, you know, Shelda, selfish mm-hmm. or childishness. That ranger knows how to cook some elk. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some pig. And some alleged yeah. pig. <clears throat> you know, and it's like a, a, a kind of another level of like self-delusion. Like you, you, you're eating it as Summer and yourself, but mm-hmm. you're not really getting to eat it the first, the second time, right? You're just, mm-hmm. you know, tricking yourself into thinking that you've had more food than you actually had feeding his soul That's interesting yeah or enjoying yeah. the taste but trying not to be greedy mm. yeah 
There you go. <laughs> it's like, no second helping for me. I'll just do a switcheroo. He was actually being polite. Uh, <laughs> the steak lasts seven days. That's actually like a whole week. That's not too bad for that elk. They really made that ration go. But yeah. Jojen has only become more gaunt. <laughs> and Cold Hands takes Hodor by the arm, commanding they move before they arrive. And Hodor plows through the snowdrifts. Summer and Cold Hands are stalking behind them. Bran watches Mira lift Jojen to his feet. He is too heavy for her, but she starts to struggle upward all the same, up that thousand-yard hill, which grows deeper, and they almost fall a few times. Ravens are flapping all around them, giving them the ambiance, passing them, going into the cave, and they're finally about 80 yards away, and Summer stops and starts sniffing the air and begins to snarl oh. something. <laughs> something's wrong. Bran tells Hodor to wait. Cold Hands keeps climbing. Hodor decides to keep moving against Bran's wishes, and pale mist fills the air. They're 60 yards away now, and Hodor causes a mini snow avalanche behind them. Craning his neck, Bran sees a fire ahead in the cave and calls out, and Hodor screams, twisting, stumbling violently, and Bran feels the world slide sideways, mouthful of blood, Something has his leg, and for a moment, Bran's like, it's a root, until it's not a root, it's a hand, and the rest of the white reveals itself. Mm. <laughs> Again, Sorry, I'm very laughing. spooky. I was gonna just yeah. say what Tanya said before, is like, man, I would have loved to see that depicted on the screen. <laughs> right? It's so real, it's- though. If only uh, someone would have covered this series, right, only. and done a show on it. Oh, someone, man. please but do actually, it. But actually, though... Somebody else is what I really meant. If only. <laughs> if only. That's right. They didn't even really have cold hands like that. Yeah. No, they had Benjen. Yeah. yeah. This is way scarier. Yeah. Comparing it to the show, it being Benjen is not that scary. Yeah. It's his uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's no big deal. I agree. It being this creature with black hands that is apparently dead because you don't see any breath coming from him and he never eats and he mm-hmm. never sleeps. That's far more terrifying because the whole time you have to wonder, even though it seems like he's on my side, like, what is his end Exactly. Game? Especially because he's all like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's so true. I am a monster. I'm your monster. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, ex- you're just following the monster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't have to make this worse. It was already scary, bro. Yeah. And it's just like, just yeah. underst- or like imagining what Hodor's terrified scream sounds like because we've heard him do lots of stuff but a scream oh. of pure terror in a hodor voice is just oh man makes me shiver oh i would have loved to hear that mm-hmm. yeah all right somebody's, i gotta I redo did this it. myself <laughs> yeah i thought of, i actually thought about screaming just now it's so funny because but... tanya knows that i regularly <laughs> <You> have <laughs> dreams about the world of ice and fire and like in my dreams i've re basically refilmed everything and then it makes sense the way that i think it should it happens like i've seen the end to game of thrones like 16 times (laughs) and it was like it's always different or it's like you know it'll be something like this scene would be in my dream and i'm like oh this is what should have happened and it's very rude i suppose for it to take that stance but i feel strongly about it my brain's like no we could do better the real puppet master you're having green dreams. Or it's just, dreams. Reading it is just so easy. The way it's written is so easy to visualize mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So it's like, so yeah. irritating. <laughs> it's 
The world slides sideways, mouthful of blood, Hodor thrashing sideways. Something has his leg. Like, that's so mm-hmm. scary. And disorienting, you know, like you right? Effectively disorienting, because you're just like, ah. And disorienting. Like, I imagine, yeah, I'm picturing oh, it. the leg. Picturing just seeing everything turning Ooh. as, you know, as you fall with this, Ooh. behind this giant person. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if they had showed it from his point of view. Oh, that would be so cool. Camera angle. That would have been really cool. Yeah, you just see tumble like something, you know, the world, the, the ground is up again. It's just like da 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 going down. Yeah, the camera just like spinning oh. with just screaming yeah. happening and hands coming out of nowhere. So much more dimensional. Or also like from Brand, I mean, if it were also even from Brand's perspective, right? Like you, you're here for this ride. <laughs> yeah. There's not much you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about that helplessness earlier. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and then suddenly, oh, it's a hand. Oh, God. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the language here. uh, I like how it emulates that those first few brand chapters again in the first book where it's like, oh, and we're climbing. And it's like, hmm, interesting. I feel like climbing is something that Bran has a lot of trauma about. And for him to, again, be helpless and be unable to do it here. Mm -hmm. But uh, Hodor is the one climbing, but Hodor also kind of Bran acting as though Hodor is an extension of himself mm-hmm. uh, more and more, and then triggering those memories for him. And the fall. The fall, that's also, you know, a traumatic triggering experience for him, too. So Hodor kicks at the white, but it doesn't seem to feel it because, you know, zombies and shit. <laughs> they grapple and claw, sliding down the hill, and snow fills Bran's mouth in half a heartbeat. He, too, is sliding. Something slams into his head, whether it's a rock or a dead man, he cannot tell. And he finds himself sprawled on the hillside, spitting snow, and his hand is full of Hodor's hair. He's even, like, being a little squished, too. Bran cake. Little Bran cake. And poor poor Hodor. Bran cake. (laughs) Oh, God. Some Jojen syrup on top. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying poor Hodor. Is out going through all of this while also having his hair snatched out of his head. You know? <laughs> yes! Yes. So it's like he's experiencing the same fear as Bran, but also Hodor is more childlike, so it's probably even scarier. And then on top of that, someone's ripping his hair out of his head. That's true. And and remember, the whites grab Hodor. They didn't grab Bran's ankle. They grabbed Hodor's ankle. Mm-hmm. So imagine yeah. if we had it from Hodor's perspective. Well, I guess it would just be a chapter of Hodor, Hodor, Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if they oh, if they grabbed Bran's leg, he wouldn't have felt it. Right. I was thinking that, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. All around him, whites were rising from beneath the snow. Two, three, four. Bran lost count. They surged up violently amidst clouds of snow. Some wore black cloaks, some ragged skins, some nothing. All of them had pale flesh and black hands. Their eyes glowed like pale blue stars. Three of them descended on the ranger. Bran saw cold hands slash one across the face. The thing kept right on coming, driving him back into the arms of another. Two more were going after Hodor, lumbering clumsily down the slope. Mira was going to climb right into this, Bran realized, with a sick sense of helpless terror. He smashed the snow and shouted out a warning. Something grabbed hold of him. That was when his shout became a scream. Bran filled his fist with snow and threw it, but the white did not so much as blink. A black hand fumbled at his face, another at his belly. Its fingers felt like iron. He's going to pull my guts out. But suddenly, Summer was between them. Bran glimpsed skin tear like cheap cloth, heard the splintering of bone. He saw a hand and wrist rip loose, pale fingers wriggling, the 
sleeve faded black rough spun black he thought he's wearing black he was one of the watch so this section i thought was an absolute horror movie like mm. that's when his shout became a scream and then you know oh actually not even from there just something grabbed hold of him and it made me think of the lead up to the red wedding Mm. And the last few chapters with Brandon, also the beginning of this chapter, you get this ominous feeling that something's going to happen. It gave me, on my first read, it gave me anxiety because I'm like, they keep talking about them, they, like these things that might be out there. And all of this just happens in such quick succession that it's just, it just happened. And you have to kind of go back and read that again because it's like, whoa, what the fuck? And it reminded me of the lead up to the Red Wedding because we have all these chapters of Kat being nervous, being uncomfortable, and you, you know, you start to feel uncomfortable with her. And then mm. when the actual massacre starts, it all just goes so fast that you can hardly believe what you just read. Mm -hmm. That's a great wow. point. I did have to double back. I was like, how is this going down again? <laughs> right it's very that's such a great point because like it, it the chapters leading up to it nothing really happened right mm -hmm. right like the last five chapters nothing's technically happened they've just kept going and in the last chapter you get the rangers having been made into pigs magical very cersei hours you know like knowledge mm -hmm. cersei hours uh, that they're suddenly now pig ha 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 but that was like the biggest, that was them on their tail. The rangers on their tail was kind of that anxiety. But, ooh, we got rid of that one. But this is the real problem. This is, and there's no way to avoid this. It's unavoidable, right? It it was always going to happen. There was always going to be whites eventually in Bran's chapter. I just never thought it would happen to my baby. The whites grabbing at his belly, like I thought to myself, for the soft meat. <laughs> oh, ooh, the tender meat. Of course you did. Mm. Yeah, that baby back rack. Yeah. Oh. Oh, the veal. The brand as the a, like a human veal, of course. My God. Like straight to the <laughs> organ meat. I think it's very similar to what, when Small Paul was choking? No, it was Oath or Flowers. Whatever the language was where he's like, his fingers felt like iron. It, he's going to pull my guts out. Mm -hmm. It really reminded me of the Small Paul and the Oath or Flowers kind of encounters from the beginning. Do whites get super strength? It seems they have, like, stupid strength, right? Not even super strength. Like, they just have no brain, but they have full strength. Mm. Yeah, because to, I don't know. to feel like someone is going to rip your guts out, like, that's got to be a wild feeling of someone just... Like, because, like, in a fight, yeah. you're not grabbing somebody by their belly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That would just be weird. It Definitely, hurt, thumb, I recommend thumbs in the eyes. But yeah. that would be really weird to do, like, to suddenly grab at my belly yeah. fat. But yeah. if you're trying to, if you're trying <laughs> to, you're like, <laughs> like, stop grabbing my love handles. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this idea, I don't know, I couldn't get past the white gripping at his stomach. Like, that was something oh. that was very, like, well, gut-wrenching. <laughs> but you know what it is about uh, that? Is that he's, he's saying that he's like, the fingers felt like iron, but he's not talking about, he doesn't say yeah. they felt cold, right? And you're like, you'd expect mm -hmm. for oh, that to be a description that's associated with something that's just popped out of the snow. It's just like, all you get is the strength. It's like when you go to the dentist, you might not feel the thing, but you just know that there's, there's a sensation of being pulled apart, right? Um, 
And I don't yep. know if that has to do with this injury and paralysis, but ooh, again, so scary. And then just like, it, like it's really crazy because it's like you're ha- all these things are happening uh, simultaneously, and he's just in so much danger. But then you know, George does a really good way of just showing how irrational your mind can be in those situations. It's like, oh yeah, he's he might, maybe he was one of the watch. Like that's not something that like that's a detail that he's <laughs> yeah. noticing as he's being you know threatened to be ripped, ripped from the inside out inside out and oh it's just the things that pop into your mind in a moment of crisis and that he doesn't he notices that this guy used to maybe be part of the watch but he doesn't notice like oh interesting a black hand just like that guy that i'm following right <laughs> right who's who still hasn't shown us his face seems to be fighting on our side but i'm curious what color his mm-hmm. eyes are mm-hmm. yeah oh, they don't mention it do they call probably purple it's probably a chardin oh <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm sorry that's <laughs> another secret targaryen yeah i am wondering if they do have like they don't feel pain but i don't know if they have super strength i wonder if it's like without the holds or something i hear i hear i hear we could bite through our own fingers like a carrot would be about the same strength but for obvious like psychological reasons that we have a blocker that keeps us from doing so hmm. so you're saying i could rip someone's guts out i think i could do it yeah. um yeah i, I think so <laughs> all right i think you could i really i believe in you next fight i'm in like dr- yeah <laughs> i think i'm gonna right? just like... if i ever get into another fight i think that i will just start touching their belly as a, just a means of throwing them off <laughs> yeah just start like because yeah. it is the soft meat and it does hurt it's like when you grab the underside yeah. of your arm your inside of your arm it's so painful there. and it throws them off yeah Think about it. Like they would never see it coming. That's the thing. Is like, what the fuck are you doing to my? Face? <laughs> no. I'm- well, that's yeah. why you're supposed to like protect. Like you know, that's why people get sort of in a hunched position when they're fighting because you protect mm. those. Your soft, your soft meat. meat. <laughs> now I'm just oh thinking gosh. of like weird things to do in a fight. Like, what if you just grab them and kiss them on the forehead? Very <laughs> yeah. everything everywhere my all child. at once. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was. That actually, as I said that, I, it made me think of that. You just grab them in a headlock and just... That's a movie we're considering <laughs> for Dirty Tuesday. Just oh, yeah. Movie. I would love that. That's Eliana's fave. Is it? Uh, I've, I've already watched it, I don't know, three to four times, I guess. Yeah, me but, too. Because um, I have to keep showing it to people. Yes, exactly. Same. Same. Exactly. You should yeah. do it with us when we do it. Hmm. You Let me know. Let us. me know. Yeah. I'd be interested. Yeah. <sighs> I actually really would. Interested, but I don't want to sound too, you know. That's why <laughs> no, I it's, it's amazing. I, I love it. Trying to sound cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love everything. I totally about don't that care, movie. but <laughs> no, I love it too. And I, I, I also was like telling people to watch it once I saw it. As I, Nikki was telling Nikki told me to watch it and said it was really great, and I got so excited about it because then other people kept telling me how great it was, and I, I was so excited about it that my husband just bought it for me. Oh, so nice. I could watch it because it wasn't on streaming yet. <laughs> yeah, I bought it too. Oh, that's great. I was like, nope, this one I'm going to own. Yeah, I also did that too. And I bought it like so that I could hopefully share it with my friends. But turns out I purchased it for like the Google family in the wrong way. So they could not access it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm a big dummy. Um, yeah. My first time watching it was on an airplane sitting between my mother and my great aunt, which maybe that was not the place to watch it. <laughs> uh, me wiping my warning. face. Me who cries over everything. Don't fucking worry about it, mom. Oh, <laughs> That's so funny. It has nothing to do with you. I watched it on a date and I was like, 
like really quickly into the movie, I realized that if this guy didn't laugh at the same place as I was laughing, we were not going to make it. <laughs> oh, he did. Okay. It was fun. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> good. How did it go? Uh, we didn't make it, but yeah. he laughed at all the same places. And yeah, that one is a it's an interesting litmus test. <laughs> I was just going to say litmus test. Yeah, that's perfect. It's a good way to date, personally. You know, Have you watched this? Will you watch it? How do you laugh? <laughs> How do you cry? <laughs> yeah. You're laughing at the wrong part, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. This is we over. Can't continue. <laughs> yeah. So Summer flings the arm aside, biting into the dead man's neck and taking most of its throat out in an explosion of pale rotten meat, Ugh. which I think Summer ends up munching on a little later. Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> Bran rolls himself away. It's interesting also that they rot while they're. While they're zombies, uh, rolls himself away from the severed, still-moving hand, glimpsing the trees above. It's like 50 yards. If he can drag himself 50 yards, they could not get him. And so he begins to crawl. A little farther, then you can rest by the fire. The severed hands thing stood out to me. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, because in this book, we have a couple of... I would I would think of them as severed hands, like Tyrion and John Connington. They used to be hands of the king, and now they're in exile. Mm. But also how a severed hand plays a role in Bran's story. It's what threw him off, you know, that tower while climbing. When you pointed out the tower, like, redux earlier, I was thinking that. Because I was like, oh, he was grabbed by a hand. And I'm like, I guess what else was the white going to grab him with? But it made me think about His Jane. mouth? It could grab him by the mouth. No, I'm serious. Kiss him in the forehead? Yeah, <laughs> or right. has really long toes. I'm, Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Just like in the hot dog world, oh, you shit. can grab and with the feet. Dexterous. And yeah. dexterous. <laughs> Night had fallen, and Coldhand stands hacking and cutting at the circle of white surrounding him. Summer is tearing at one nearby. No one's watching Bran, who's crawling higher, dragging his legs and himself. He's interrupted in his climb by Hodor, who whimpers below. And suddenly, Bran is Hodor, fighting off a white, scratching at his eye. Deep inside, he could hear poor Hodor whimpering still, but outside, he was seven feet of fury with old iron in his hand. He wields the sword, taking the white's head off at the neck, bellowing, Hodor, until a pair of dead hands grope for his throat. He backs away from the white, bleeding, and Mira appears, driving her spear into the white's back. Hodor! Bran roars again, waving her uphill, Jojen twisting feebly where she had laid him. She leads them up the hill, jabbing at whites, keeping them away. Above them, there are dancing, flaming figures in the snow, and Bran realizes someone lit the whites on fire. He ascends the hill, hodoring with each step. He wondered what Mira would think if he should suddenly tell her that he loved her. <laughs> I, thought, I love that line, because I think a lot of people think it's like weird, or creepy, or off-putting, but... I don't know. He's in like a near death situation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right now. So I think I, I kind of on this reread, I'm really feeling like there's something near death about this thought for him. Like, what if I just yelled out that I loved her? Mm. Doesn't really have anyone else to do this with right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, how many girls has he known? Yeah. Her and his sister. For the Targaryens, those are not off limits. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. I thought it was really, it was really, really sweet in it. And endearing for him to like consider that in this moment he's like oh you know what maybe maybe i should say you know show my appreciation for this woman who's been along for this ride and he goes from feeling so isolated and lonely to all of a sudden needing to express love to someone before he takes mm. his last breath right yeah and i think it's just it's a very sweet moment to me it's like you want more warmth like how can you feel such warmth through such a terrifying experience 
especially because it's like I feel the part where they're everybody's kind of on their own. It's like no one was paying any any mind to Bran, right? He crawled he crawled a little higher, dragging his useless legs behind him. If I can reach that cave, like he it's at this point it's like every man for himself. And so to go from being so isolated mm-hmm. to all of a sudden having it, like I said, a thought of love for someone else and their well being or just like the need to express that to me was very telling for him. And there's that difference in Bran thinking, right? While he's in Hodor, he's thinking as Bran, but he's speaking as Hodor. And I felt like that also really stuck out here, that he's thinking about how he wants to yell out that he loves her. But when he speaks, he speaks as Hodor, because Hodor has had some temporal damage, right? That he's not able to say anything else but his name. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, it is interesting that he can't say other words, even as Hodor, right? Like, that he's still stuck saying only Hodor. Mm -hmm. It could be that he hasn't quite mastered warging into humans yet. Uh, There is also, and I do wonder if this is something related, but there was basically Louis-Victor Leborn had lost the ability to speak. and This is what, ages ago, but he lost the ability to speak and could only say tan. Like, that Mm. was the only thing he was able to say. Mm -hmm. And he'd been dealing with epilepsy for many years. It basically damaged want to say it was like his front temporal lobe but that that because of his like what had happened to him with epilepsy that it just and he developed like gangrene at one point which didn't help it i guess and like inflammation to the brain and stuff so it's possible that whatever has happened to hodor in the past slash future is really made it so he cannot because mm-hmm. i kind of wonder does that mean that like hodor has like thoughts in a language right like he pro obviously he processes language to some extent because they tell him things etc and that he is he has things that he also wants to express Mm -hmm. and say right and he can't and it comes out as hodor it's very similar perhaps to like even illin Payne's story you know illin Payne, who clearly has an inner life and thoughts but unfortunately like his tongue was cut out and he's illiterate you know this actually it makes me think of toddlers because mm. they get to a point where their thoughts become more complex, but their language hasn't caught up yet. Mm. Interesting. And so you, that's when you get tantrums. A yeah. lot of times it's just they can't, they simply can't express what it is. They, they feel big feelings, but they can't tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also reminds me of Groot. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Groot. Groot. It's like you have to express it by the way that you say it, you know, like you get so much by the way, you know, the one or two words in your vocab, the tone behind them. And also, not to just do it here because I do uh, to stormlight it, but also reminds me of Shallan fighting with her other selves. Mm. You know, the aspects mm, of herself. Yeah. You know, except it's Bran and, and there's Hodor our inside. stormlight reference. <laughs> 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 yeah, and not hiding away. Mm-hmm. Or Maya. Or Ma- Maya yeah. could be kind of like that mm, too. Yes, the Dead Eyes in general, perhaps. We chose like okay. I had to do it. Oh. <laughs> it's a good moment. Oh, it's it such is a great excellent moment. Oh, I love it. So Bran watches Summer snarling at the thank God, like, you know, Summer's here defending, um, at the swirling flame of man and realizes Summer was driving the whites away from Bran's body, which is still face down in the snow. Yeah, how traumatic. <laughs> what would happen if it kills me, the boy wondered. Will I be Hoder for good and all? Will I go back into Summer's skin? Or will I just be dead? The world moved dizzily around him. White trees, black sky, red flames, everything was whirling, shifting, spinning. 
He felt himself stumbling. He could hear Hodor screaming, Hodor, 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 Hodor. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you. Very beautiful. Well done. Hodor! God. (sighs) That is kind of interesting, right? Like that that Hodor then is the one screaming, Mm. not him, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And they're both in there. Yeah. A cloud of ravens pours from the cave, and for a moment he sees a little girl he thinks is his sister Arya. Which makes no sense, because she's a thousand leagues away, or worse, dead. And then we have this line of, tears filled Hodor's eyes and froze there, and I don't know, that line just fucking kills me. I don't know why. Mm. Well, it's it's sad. Hodor, right now, first of all, it could be Hodor crying, feeling Bran's feelings, making Hodor's body Mm. cry. But also, Hodor whimpering inside his own mind. And being frightened at what's happening around him, but also what's happening to him. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we know that he's he gets afraid when Bran wargs into him. Mm-hmm. Fucked up, Bran. It is. So it's like this, it's the fear that you've lost control of your body. Someone's taken over your body and your mind is still there hiding in a little box being terrified. And also you're being attacked by these scary monsters that you didn't know for sure were real. And then also you're seeing Bran possibly dead because he's just laying there face down in the snow so once again i feel for hodor the most he is going through it i feel like he just described my pmdd (laughs) mood big mood (laughs) that was like like literally it for word for word yeah i think like he's terrified it's like there's this terror like this existential terror of knowing that you might not make it and you're not in control you're not even in control of your own body uh but also it's like if I had to be symbolic about it, right? It's like these, the the things which he sees out of, it's like it's frozen now. It's like paralysis. Like it's locked in this moment of whatever he's seeing. And for me, it made me wonder if we'll get like a future paragraph that's like references back to that site. Is like that where he's realizing what's going to, what's coming. Does it click for him that this is the end? Like click for Hodor. For Hodor, that this, that is, this the is the moment that, that he doesn't remember that he remembers. Oh, if Hodor repressed it too. Mm. Interesting. Fuck. Yeah, um, and it, it makes me think again of, like, what you were, you know, how you called out earlier, like, Bran feeling helpless, right? And that's, that is uh, probably how Hodor feels in this moment, helpless. Yeah, there's something about that, too, like, that they, they complete each other and the issues that they have, right? Like, that Bran is expressing such true, raw emotion when he's yelling through Hodor earlier, right? And it's weird because he physically can't express himself, but he can mentally mm. and vocally express himself where Hodor can physically express himself and can react, but cannot vocalize. Mm-hmm. So they have kind of the inverse of what, you know, what they're incapable of doing. And that he, I don't know, that it probably gives him some feeling of autonomy when he's using Hodor. Yeah. I think it's really complicated too, to know that you can... Because at part, like, as I was reading it, I was like, well, why don't you just work in the Hodor and just walk up the damn hill? Like, just take control of the situation. But then also knowing that there's definitely, like, ethical lines being crossed when you're doing this, right? It's not like yeah. he's warging into Hodor's mind and being like, hey, buddy, it's me again. Just going to take over for a little <laughs> bit. You know, um, just calm down. I've, I've got it from here. And we don't really get that because every every time he's doing it, it's, like, super traumatic and uh, yes, it's a violation each time. Mm-hmm. More and more. Right. It's like, you're not just, you didn't, but you keep coming back. 
Right. And so now Hodor has an extra thing to be afraid of. He's losing control of his body. Yeah. And you guys had mentioned um, Thistle when she tries to tear her eyes out and she bites her own tongue off. And it's like Hodor, because of, you know, his affliction has this childlike manner. So he doesn't think to do that. But instead he retreats and is just like this trembling child. While somebody else is completely taken over his body, is something very creepy to that too. Brand, yeah, because <laughs> like Thistle, you know, she's she's a fighter in a lot of ways, right? If someone does that, she fights back. Hodor, Hodor's gentle. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think to do that. I really love that connection that all three of you now have made of like the idea that maybe Hodor's repression of the event that happened or is happening or has happened or is happening everywhere all at once to him Whoa! Uh, in his <laughs> youth, like that maybe he's repressing it just like Bran has repressed it. Will that be something in the Winds of Winter maybe mm-hmm. that like at the same time they both kind of unrepress that traumatic event? And yeah, does, does Hodor know that it's Bran in his body? That's another question. That's a good question. I wonder that. Does he know yeah. that it's Bran or does, is suddenly his body just not his own? Mm. free hodor yeah i'm about to start a we free hodor know. campaign <laughs> oh my god we free never him. had a pov right from someone who right. is being skin changed into right only the person doing it so i don't know we know that summer seems to know that it's brand since he just accepts it but summer's a wolf yeah, yeah. they know things yeah <laughs> they have a things. different bond yeah to the point that even like when Summer's not being skin changed, he's defending Bran's body. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, my cat. Or one. I don't. I don't think your cat. I don't know. D- don't you think your cats would eat you? No, I think Jake <laughs> and Allie would straight up protect my bitch ass. I'm telling you, Jake in the last like five weeks has changed Eliana, and like we're one. We have the same <laughs> oh, okay. thoughts, same movement. That is Harris and Alisan, my cats. Yeah, <laughs> they are. He's like. When I go to the bathroom, he comes to the bathroom with me, and then he guards me, and he looks out of the window like, okay, hmm, sure. Gotta be there. <laughs> My son used to do that. <laughs> oh, He'd wow. stand in the doorway wow. and, like, keep watch. No. Very strange, yeah. baby. <laughs> like, what was he afraid <gasps> of? It made sweet. me scared. I <laughs> well, I have a haunted oh, apartment. Yeah. There's that. Oh, okay. That? Uh, I was gonna be like, that's the them that you the don't them. know about. We don't talk yeah. about her. Yeah, the we shadows. can't talk about her. She te- she comes to Nikki in dreams. Okay. Let's <laughs> not manifest that. Yeah. <laughs> um, on a brighter... I don't know if this is actually a brighter note or not. Uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, the memory of Arya and what Bran is feeling as he misses his sister, who is either gone or worse dead, um, is what forces him back into his body. Thinking about Arya, love of Arya kind of does that for both of her brothers, right? Kind of forces them back home in a way. For Jon, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go storm Winterfell, everyone. This is a good (laughs) idea to tell everyone. And then also, again, for Bran, his body. Last chapter it happened, too. So with that really sad memory where it all, you know fizzles out and all of a sudden he's there the one that made me cry probably but uh the one that made me cry last chapter well same thing here again it forces him out so now we've seen it happen two times in a row that when he gets brought back to his humanity and what's in his heart it forces him out Mm. of hodor's body Mm. oh interesting 
Yeah. Interesting against Baramir when you think about it too, right? That like Baramir scrounged for himself and took people and did anything he wanted with them to survive alone. But Bran here only does it to save his friends and himself at least. And he never wargs into Mira or Jojen. You would think maybe he'd warg into Jojen to like help him walk mm-hmm. or something. Or maybe mm-hmm. or maybe because Jojen's body's so weak he wouldn't be able to anyway. Yeah. But it's telling well, it's it telling tell that he only chooses to warg into the most helpless person in the group. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna yeah. say, like I can imagine Jojen putting up a fight at someone mm-hmm. else suddenly appearing in his head. You know, and maybe he thinks because Hodor is unquote unquote broken like him that he has an opportunity to be in like like he would be more welcome there than other places because he repeats over and over again that he's broken useless and stuff and like obviously hodor is anything but that but you know if you needed someone kind of on par with where you felt emotionally um he's probably the closest link i do think that part of the reason he chooses hodor is that he does deep down kind of know it's wrong because mm. do the yeah. others know that he's working into hodor no I don't think so. I would say probably because of what happened during the lightning storm. That's what I was... But only that one time, but, that's not true, that he's that's still true. doing it. Yeah. I would imagine they might suspect. Yeah. He's not I think being they, very discreet is all I'm they hearing. Might, <laughs> they might suspect a little, but they think... Only one of them thinks like that during the lightning storm, but they don't know if he's still like doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet Mira wouldn't know, but Yeah, Jojin that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Jojin... Yeah, he gives him that look in the last chapter, too, when they're talking about cold hands, and, like, Jojen gives him this knowing look like, ah, I see some fuckery is afoot. He said, bitch, you better not try me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you can just have my body in a different way. Mm. Eaten. Yeah. Mm, shaken, not stirred. Oh, God. Soiling like green seed. Soiling <laughs> <laughs> like green seed. It do- yeah, we got people saying they preferred that version. It does have more of a ring. Yeah, it does. Yeah, regarding regarding uh, Hodor, I think it's a combination of, as you said, right, he knows it's kind of wrong, but there's like an aspect in which, does he feel like he can because Hodor is, in terms of class, beneath him much further as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just a stable boy. Mm-hmm. Either way, he sees him as less than a person. So what I'm saying is Bran is a real asshole. He's being an asshole right now, but a lot of kids are. Most yeah. of them are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If not all. <laughs> Too real. They all Too at real. least have a phase. Hopefully our baby boy will get out of this one, you know? I think this phase hopefully will pass. Probably after dire consequences, but... <laughs> Hodor will probably die first, but... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. God. Poor Hodor. God. Free Hodor. Free him. But yeah, Bran does eventually find himself back in his body, half buried, and it's a burning white looming over him. That isn't that is something to wake up to. The next thing <laughs> he knows, he's in the cave, like <laughs> on a bed of pine needles, his mouth tasting of blood where he had bit his tongue, and yeah, there's that Vermeer and Thistle call back for a second. But that's the worst of it. A fire burns to his right, and he had never felt anything so good. Everyone made it ish. <laughs> Summer sniffs around him. Hodor is soaking wet. Mira cradles aw. Jojen's head in her lap. And the not Arya thing is over him, clutching his torch. He tells her that the snow fell on him, buried him, and that the girl says that it hid him, so she pulled him out. And Mira agrees. The girl saved him. Okay, back to earlier when you said the tree was bowing for Bran, mm-hmm. and the, from the crown to the roots. When I reread this, 
I'm serious. Like, I'm not even shit posting on Maine that, like, King's under the snow. She dragged him out from beneath the snow where it hid him. You know, like snow, Ned. Like Robert says to him in A Game of Thrones. Robert says, you know, oh, King's. You must be under the snow, Ned. They don't make King's up here in the north like that anymore. I'm actually, like, unfortunately so serious about this that I really think George is laying it on thick right there that George is like, eh, eh, a king under the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Grand king shit. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I see the formula. Yeah. (laughs) What what do you mean? What kings? (laughs) (laughs) The irony that he's going to have way too many kings, queens, whatever on his hands from his children now that he's gone. Too many kings? Too, Too many, many kings. kings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for understanding me. Every time I try to reference that song, people are like, what is happening to her? <laughs> Why is she singing this? <laughs> and now it's stuck in my head again. <sighs> Forever. <laughs> Brand thought that the fire had killed them, but the girl says that the fire burns them and fire is always hungry. Big aim and fire consumes stuff, right? Coming back to that idea of like, you know, it's interesting because like I associate the stories with the ice part as being tied with the cannibalism just because it takes place during the wintry times mm-hmm. and like that's when the food is scarce but that fire is the one with the language of actually consuming uh whereas also we associate some of like maybe more ice tied magic with that because of the others taking over the bodies of the whites but i guess it comes back to those ideas that jojen was saying you know if ice can burn maybe it is like kind of all similar Magic and shit, anyway. Fire is always hungry. That made me think of Rolor. Yeah, I guess it does always ask people to be fed to it and sacrificed to it, now that I think about it. Rolor hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Be hungry. (laughs) Oh, God. I am hungry. Yeah, be hungry for real, for real. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of Rolor language, I feel like, coming up in these couple of chapters, like, from the shadows, right? Talking about the shadows and everything that Melisandre tells John about, like, the shadows being, I don't know, fighting, and eating things up, and the fire being the only thing against the shadows. It's kind of interesting. It's not a girl's voice, nor a child's, but it's a woman's voice, high and sweet, with a strange music and sadness to it that he'd never heard, but it breaks his heart. It was a girl, but smaller than Arya, her skin dappled like a doe's beneath a cloak of leaves. Her eyes were queer, large and liquid, golden green, slitted like a cat's eyes. No one has eyes like that. Her hair was a tangle of brown and red and gold autumn colors with vines and twigs and withered flowers woven through it. Who are you? Mira Reed was asking. Brand new. She's a child, a child of the forest. He shivered, as much from wonderment as cold. They had fallen into one of old Nan's tales. The first men named us children. The giants called us Wodak Nagran, the squirrel people, because we were small and quick and fond of trees. But we are no squirrels, no children. Our name in the true tongue means those who sing the song of earth. Before your old tongue was ever spoken, we had sung our songs 10,000 years. You speak the common tongue now. For him, the brand boy. I was born in the time of the dragon, and for 200 years I walked the world of men to watch and listen and learn. I might be walking still, but my legs were sore and my heart was weary, so I turned my feet for home. Two hundred years? Men, they are the children. Do you have a name? 
when I am needing one. The idea that the humans are the children, when you think of it like they were named the children of the forest, but why? Because they're small. And her telling us that she just walked around for 200 years, not that she's 200 years old, but that she walked around for 200 years. Uh. And how long does someone live in Westeros till they're like 60? Mm-hmm. She's lived multiple lifetimes by their standards, possibly dozens. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I also like that their name means those who sing the song of the earth. Mm-hmm. Because we have the song of ice and fire, and now we have the song of the earth. And where does the song of the earth fit into all of this? Mm. Yeah, and I don't we're know. Learning, we're learning like that some of these things could be the same. They could be euphemisms, right? Mm. Like all of these, if green seer and dragon dreams are, that's just green dreams, and that are maybe just euphemisms, the same thing, but called different things with misnomers. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that too. Something I I never realized the language there of like, you know, yeah, technically like she was only that just says like she walked during those 200 years. She could be much older and also like walked the world of men. So it was like she did she find a way to like blend in to like human. Well, she does say she was born in the time of the dragon. So we know she can only be a few hundred years old, but more than 200. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, how did she walk the world of men? Or maybe she just scuttled through trees like a squirrel. Yeah, just like kind of like a, I'm thinking of like a scout, uh, yeah. you know, how a scout would just kind of go and take things in, maybe revealing to herself, revealing herself to people in times of need or whatever, but otherwise just like observing. Do you think that she knows how to use a glamour? That would be crazy. Because we're seeing glamours, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot more in this book specifically it would be interesting if the children of the forest know that magic too because we also have that language in a storm of swords too for bran where we're talking about howlin reed Mm -hmm. and like the the magical talk which are really normal things we've discussed actually like yeah i walk walk on leaves so do i bitch yeah yeah okay howlin reed (laughs) but at the same time like it's supposed to be implying magic right so does she have some sort of little weirding ways <laughs> that she's able to do a glamour, yeah. like how we have Mance recently glamoured? We literally just have Mance dying, but not Mance. Mm. But it's like, the, what does she really look like? What's the face that she's presenting? Like, if she is in a glamour, what's the face that she's presenting to him? And how do you decide what's going to make someone, you know, comfortable enough to trust that you have them in a safe place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and we're, we're doing the mystery night, too. And, like, there's that with Maynard little glam mm. Mm. oh yeah <laughs> maynard <laughs> Point, <laughs> so she's born in the time of the dragon she walks the world of men for 200 years and she learns the common tongue and she does all of this for bran so this is long before blood raven even because how long has blood raven oh, been yeah it wasn't yeah, more than 200 years ago yeah he's born 175 mm. he's not quite as old He's 100, 120, whatever. I can't do math. Mm-hmm. What a baby. Yeah. Yeah, he's a baby. But that makes you... But that means the last green seer... Already knew about even... Bran, who, yeah. hadn't even, who won't be born for a few hundred years. And that, that brings me back to what the point that you're talking about, the song of the earth, right? Is like, where are the things where these overlap, the song of ice and fire, the song of the earth? Like, has it been prophe- mm. prophesized like so far back that you need to keep an eye out for this person? This person will, you know, come across... Like, was it her mission? Like, was it her assignment? Was she walking the earth looking for Bran for 200 years? 
until he stumbled, you know, across their doorstep. And maybe Song of the Earth is, I would think, the original song. Fire and ice are both of the earth, but Mm. the earth itself is the earth. So she's singing the Song of the Earth. Her song encompasses all of these prophecies and Mm -hmm. all of these things. I would love an illustrated book of that. Yeah, that would yeah. be so fun. Get on it. George. Add another one to the yeah. list, you know? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> if uh, wishes were fishes. Mm-hmm. I, I love also the idea, because you have like Hot D, right, that just happened. It mm-hmm. was very much about the prophecy being passed forward in time. Mm-hmm. And then you have all of this meta that's starting now that we can start thinking about of like what was lost in translation, what translation was important. And then looking at some of these bigger pieces of lore like the last hero or like azora high right and who these pivotal figures are it it makes you wonder again are they going off the same information just from a different time different place different way it was presented Mm. i think something that also stood out to me is the way that she's she refers to him as the brand boy right because throughout this chapter we've been seeing that the conflict with him between be a man and then also him actually being just a little kid and like within the scope of her her lifespan like He's barely been alive a blink. And I think it's like yeah. times to go to just kind of like, you know, put him back in his, you know, gently put him back in his place and maybe, maybe release, let him be able to release some of these things that he's got kind of tormenting him. It's okay to be small. Yeah. And the childhood isn't necessarily like a bad thing, mm-hmm. but look at them. They're children of the forest, but clearly very powerful. She's like trilingual. Yeah. You know? <laughs> at least. At, At least. least, that's a good point. And she said she learned the language of men, not just the common tongue. So she, who knows how many languages she knows? Mm-hmm. A- At least the over two hundred years. The old tongue, yeah. Probably and Valyrian, then, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, why not? I mean, you have two hundred years. So yeah. why the fuck not? Yeah, yeah. I could learn I would four imagine. languages with two hundred years. Like but. even if she didn't know it before Blood Raven, too, I bet he probably speaks that shit with. Yeah. Uh, he probably just like vapes thoughts. Just yeah, he just like vapes thoughts at her. <laughs> I was just laughing because you're like thinking, like, oh, over the span of 200 years, you'd be able to learn these other languages. But I just thought about my Duolingo app, which has been idle <laughs> for literal years. Oh. <laughs> I'm on my 83 day streak right Ooh. now. So oh, the reason I'm like, thank you. Yes, 83 days. Someday I'll know Italian. <laughs> Yeah. And then also, when you talk about languages, you know, the idea of, again, names. We were talking about names earlier and not having one. She's like, I don't know. I don't really always need one. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. When would there be a moment of not needing one? Like, maybe if everyone knows everyone else? I don't know. Grishka. Um, or no one. Oh, that's true. Arya style. Arya simultaneously is having her Jedi learning from some people, mm-hmm. right? Where she also knows if we paste the book back together, at least. We would paste it back together. But yeah, I mean, even Arya's story has like someone who looks like a child, but is also very old, right? Like the Waif, mm-hmm. who was not portrayed that way at all in the show as well. Like the Waif would have been someone really cool to also see in the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this moment has a lot of like these like walking contradictions of you're a child, but you're super old, right? Or Jojen's one of those. Jojen is constantly called little grandfather. I'm like, you're also a baby. Or even like Daenerys, right? Being like a mother who has no children and constantly referred to with that that moniker. So a very human heart in conflict with itself stuff going on. 
not the same person, but wouldn't surprise me if the ghost of High Heart is maybe also a child of the forest and maybe somewhat glamoured in how she presents herself to people. That's what I've been wondering. I've been wondering that, you know, like, is she... Because, like, everyone says that she has some of the blood of the child of the forest, but I'm like, now I'm like, is it all of her blood? Is all of the blood that she has like that? (laughs) Well, she's not described with, like, dappled skin or anything, or, like, the golden eyes or anything like that, so... Maybe not all of her blood, but a lot of it. Yeah. Like maybe one human through ma- one glamoring. human got in and just turned the mix upside down. Unless she's glamorous. Well, she's glamorous. Let's be real. <laughs> Goes to high heart as glam. She's, she's out here. She's like, give me a kiss. I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, Let's make out. All right. <laughs> cougar hours. Yes, she you is know. real cougar hours. Uh, Good for her. What the fuck? <laughs> she really said, let's uh, make out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> She's out there kissing foreheads, Tanya style. <laughs> really confusing them. Leaf waves her torch toward the back of the cave and tells them to follow. Bran asks about Cold Hands, saying, But they'll kill him. And she cracks him and she's like, They already killed him a long ass time ago. <laughs> she tells them to follow her to where it's warmer, where he is waiting for them, the Green Seer. Mira helps Bran up into his crushed, wet basket, and she supports her brother as they make their way down. Jojen asks, where are we? Telling her he had the strangest dream, smiling at the fire. (laughs) The way down is filled with dirt and tendrils, with the child and her cloak of leaves leading them deeper and deeper. The cave divides as they descend, the left side dark as pitch, following the shadows in light. The way the shadows shifted made it seem as if the walls were moving too. Bran saw great white snakes slithering in and out of the earth around him, and his heart thumped in fear. He wondered if they had blundered into a nest of milk snakes, or giant grave worms, soft and pale and squishy. Grave worms have teeth. Hodor saw them too. Hodor, he whimpered, reluctant to go on. But when the girl child stopped to let them catch her, the torchlight steadied and Bran realized that the snakes were only white roots like the one he'd hit his head on. It's weirwood roots. Remember the heart tree in the godswood, Hodor? The white tree with the red leaves? A tree can't hurt you. Hmm. Doubt. Sure. Sure, Bran. <laughs> Funny for you to say. Hmm. hmm. I've been hurt by a lot of trees. Like I, Sometimes, you know, you like walk past. They're the ones with the really spiky leaves. I was trying to get out of a car recently. And like, also, I've definitely walked into a branch or two before, too. Mm. I definitely oh, yeah. feel like, especially if my hair is out, the trees really lean down and bite me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm really, trees are treacherous. Uh, I'm really short, so I always take great pleasure in walking under trees where other people can't. Oh. So I, like, <laughs> like the maybe it might, if my hair is up, maybe I might feel a tug of a branch, but usually it's cleared. I stay hitting trees. <laughs> if there's a tree, like, my body, my dumb, fumbling, big body just gravitates towards it on accident. <laughs> like, I really don't know what my issue is. If there's a branch, I'm going to hit it. You are very I'm going to hit it. Yeah, yeah. What a creepy description, right, of the the wormy roots. Mm. I, I love that, especially with later when we have the weirwood paste, right, where in the light, the next chapter, it clearly looks like it could maybe be veins. And he's like, no, 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 it's not veins. It's not mm-hmm. It's just weirwood roots. But, uh, but here, same thing. He's like, no, it's not worms. It's weirwood roots. And it is weirwood roots, right? Like great white snakes. But there's also something interesting about the cave, like that warded. They're safe in here, right? right? Like all of a sudden, for the last four pages, it's been real chill. No whites. They can kind of recover for a hot second. But it does make me think about 
if that cave's magical ward comes up, which more than likely it will, right? Like more than likely, mm -hmm. this cave will not forever be safe. Right. Is it the same spell that's on the wall and the gates along the wall too? So I think something that I got from this is that it's also just further disorienting, right? Because the only light they have is like her torchlight, and if you've been in the shadow, like in a dark place with the light of a torch, it's like it's always running away from you and then if it's jumpy it's like it can create the shadows to like and if you're doing shadow puppets mm. or like the illusion that things are like you know growing and shifting and moving towards you and making it even scarier i think i don't know what i would have thought those things were but i probably would not have been able to catch my breath until we had that moment to catch our breath and to really see what these shadows are and really see what these white things are that have turned out to be roots yeah like a Halloween party. That's pretty fair considering the last time that they thought they saw roots, it was like a hand. Right. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Cool. Reminds me of like a Halloween party where you peel grapes yeah. so their eyeballs, you know, you make people hold more spaghetti as brains kind of idea going on there. Yeah. I did that rec not recently at a Halloween party and I won. It was white pickled asparagus. Oh, mm, was it the smell? How did you figure it out? Uh, I don't remember. Maybe I was supposed to hold my nose. But because oh. but because I was supposed to hold my nose, I was like, clearly there must be a, a smell here. Mm. And I assumed it was a vinegary mm. one. And then I kept like, uh, it was it was a whole thing. We don't have to go through the whole story of how I won <laughs> Halloween. Um, sorry, please continue. Amazingly done. Uh, have either of you read a song for Leah? No, I haven't. I don't no. think so. Okay, it was really good. It's really good. I actually really liked it. It's a novelette by George, by Georgie. It's in Dream Songs Volume 1, and we recently I think I have that. chatted about it. Well, this one you should read up on. I think you'd like it, actually. It's, good. it's It's very good. It's emotional. It's very raw. George was going through it. He was absolutely going through it during this. You could just tell. But there's something great. There's a, a description of something where it's, uh, between us and the great bulk of the Grishka was a forest of hanging, dangling red strands, a living cobweb of Grishka tissue that came almost to our faces. And without going too much into the story, uh, I can totally see what George is doing with this weirwood, right? That you have all these living strands and roots of weirwood hanging out all around you. And as we keep going, we're going to see like the bones, mm -hmm. right, of many people from before in this cave. And it, it's crazy because even if it is a tree and even if it's not worms, it is alive, right? Like it's like alive mm -hmm. with like memories and humans and shit, the weirwood net. Kind of cool. Yeah, and what an incredible mindfuck to know that this is a place where you're supposed to be safe and you're still being terrorized by everything you see around you. Oh no, it's like the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> so true. Um, or I, I don't know. It also makes me think of like cordyceps. I don't know if any of you are watching the last. Yes. Oh my right god. Now, no it's everything connected. Yeah. No, it's uh, not spoiler really, but yeah, I love that show. I'm having fun. I'm having fun with it. I, I do think they're all connected and all the caves below are connected. We would network. Hodor hurries after the child who stops from time to time to wave her torch impatiently at them. This way, this way, faster, she seems to say. They pass side passages and other chambers and when he looks off into them, slitted eyes look back in the torchlight. More children. So this girl is not the only one. He's then reminded of old Nan's tale of Gendel's children. Oh, yeah, I remember that. John 3, I think, in A Storm of Swords, where Gendel and Gorn rule as king beyond the wall, leading the free folk through Gorn's way, which were caves beneath the wall, and they evade the watch, but on the other side, the king in the north waits for them, attacks them. Rude. Gorn kills the king, and then the king's son takes the crown and kills Gorn. Meanwhile, the watch is taking them from the rear, 
and according to lore phrasing, uh, Gendel is killed, <laughs> but according to the Free Folk, he survived as the Soul King beyond the wall, trying to fight his way back through the caves, but he didn't know the way, so he gets lost forever in all of the caves. And the Free Folk legend says that the descendants of Gendel's people still dwell in those caves, attacking anyone who tries to find Gorn's way and eating them. Oh, it's kind cute. Of, yeah, kind of funny when you consider what might happen in this cave with eating people. Yummy, 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 I got crows in my tummy. I have a random tinfoil. What if Gendel and Gorn are Night's King and his corpse bread? Well, that would be the one thing D&D did right then, right? Because he had the lead Night King and his four boyfriends. Oh, okay. Interesting. They were boyfriends. I don't really know why we have to go into it. A, a polycule. Yeah, they were a polycule. <laughs> yeah, why do we see any lady? I don't know. I always, reading the books, I assume that White Walkers did not have gender. Because they were basically like icy mist. Uh. Hmm. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Like how dragons are mutable as flame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Changeable. Changeable is, yeah. That's interesting. I think some of our listeners will have a lot of interesting thoughts about that. Right. Low. (laughs) I want an essay on it. (laughs) I'm kind of like obsessed with the White Walkers and the Whites actually having their own culture, even though they don't have culture or brain. Right? I'm like, I want to understand what makes them tick. I just like, I want to know, like, what's the motivation? What is the driving thing that's causing you to come down? What are your, your rituals and culture, cultural things? Absolutely. I think I would love that. Except for the ice spider part. Like, they can, they can lose me there. I think they do. I don't know. I, George says they don't. I'm like, I don't know if you know what that means, George. I think they have a culture. Like, why are we seeing these things <laughs> laid down in these ways? And, like, you know, like, there's got to be yeah. a reason. It doesn't seem to me that they are just, like, purely creatures of instinct and drive, right? It seems like they've got... Emotive. They're intelligent. They have an intelligence. They have language. Like, there's clearly something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And humor. They they laugh at Waymar. So I feel like humor is like a culture thing. Yeah, they're a people. I mean, they literally fight with swords them. too. So. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Feudalism, martial. I mean, maybe we should respect them as whole ass people. You know, maybe they could just have beyond the wall. <laughs> the weirwood roots are everywhere. And as they keep going, he realizes that the colors fled. The world has become black soil and white wood. Uh, very similar to his sister's world right now. Winterfell's weirwood had thick roots. Uh, but these are even thicker. And there's so many. He thinks that there must be a grove growing above them. Hodor feels something crunch under his feet. Stopping suddenly. Oh god. Bones! Bran realizes bones of birds and beasts. But others, too. Bigger ones and small ones from the giants and even from children. On either side of them in the passage, niches with skulls. A bear skull, a wolf skull, human skulls, giant skulls, children of the forest are on display. Some have ravens perched on them, roots growing around and through them, everyone. The final leg of the journey is the steepest and the darkest. Hodor makes it on his ass like a bony, dirty slip and slide. Below, the girl child waits for them, and they hear rushing water, an underground river. Uh, I thought that was kind of fun, right? Uh, coming back to rivers and how that has to do with, like, time. And, uh, you know, time being a river, etc. 
and how that's probably going to play with Brand's story and also, you know, entering an underworld, like crossing the rivers into it, like sticks, etc. Because, I mean, it kind of is an underworld, right? It's full of a people who were long thought dead. And some of them are maybe dead, but inside like birds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that, like the beyond the veil shit. I'm really into that with Bran finally like crossing that stage of his story. And I know we've talked about the allegory of the cave in our His Dark Materials series, and maybe we've talked about it here too before, but I really feel strongly that the cave itself is like actually the allegory of the cave from Plato and Bran's overarching experience in this story because, you know, the cave represents the difference between people who simply experience sensory experiences and call that knowledge and those who actually understand real knowledge by seeing the truth and experiencing the truth and there are several steps to the allegory of the cave of like the enchainment to the shadows the releasement from the chains the passage out of the cave and into the light of the sun and then the return back from the light of the sun into the cave and i think there's going to be a lot of that for brand's plot because even looking at the cave, right, like you see all these bones of giants and mm. children of the forest and of people littered on the ground. And the cave is like both something freeing, like knowledge, but it's also a trap. It enchains them. Look at Bloodraven. As we see him and meet him here, he is literally like he has roots growing through his body, chaining him to this weirwood throne, chaining him to mm. it. And that's like you might have all the knowledge in the world, but you're not free. Right. You don't have the actual experience with it. And there's even something with Danny that it reminds me of is like the idea of those that refuse to try and leave the cave and continue to believe the shadows they see are reality. And later, Socrates states if the chained prisoners were freed, they would kill their liberators. So, which we have Danny doing all over the place. Mm -hmm. I think something that also it makes me think about is just like whether or not he realized that he's coming coming to terms or confronting the fact that like he's standing on the foundation of his world and society like the literal bones of the children and the men and the giants and everything that that informed the rich history that he's going to have to you know mm. dig into to become a blood raven you know our our green seer extraordinaire eventually and it's just like it's as similar to the allegory of the cave it's like you're having to be you're being confronted with what is real right like you're standing on bones of giants, which you didn't know actually existed. You're on standing on the bones of green, you know, the children of the forest, which you now have confirmation actually exist. And like, what are you going to do with all, with all that information? Do you chain yourself to the throne too? Or are you going to use it and transform everything that everyone experiences? And in that cycle of it too, like, are, do you perpetuate that cycle of bloodshed in that way? I love that connection. Bran asks if they have to cross, but the girl says no and lifts her torch higher to fill the chamber with orange and yellow flames that reveal behind them a pale lord in ebon finery and a tangled nest of weirwood roots. His body skeletal, his clothes rotted. What skin is showing is white, save for a bloody blotch creeping up his neck and cheek. Who could it be? His white <laughs> hair is fine and thin, long enough to brush the floor, roots coiled around his legs like serpents. One burrows into his thigh, emerging from his shoulder, red leaves sprouting from his skull, and gray mushrooms from his brow, brown and yellow bone peeking out here and there. God, the mushrooms are on his brow. Sorry. Uh, it's talk about walking out of one nightmare into another. <laughs> yeah. How would that's you even true. approach this? Like, how would you push yourself and your group forward? I'd be like, I don't know about this shit. My body would just, like, release everything. 
there would be poop. <laughs> well, that's be, what they're, they keep pee, saying that things are tears. wet, but they're not saying what with, you know. Yeah, what? like they are just everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> just start lactating. Like, every fluid in my body would just release all of it because if uh. I saw, <laughs> to see some shit like that, a branch yeah. going through his thigh and out his his shoulder, mushrooms in his brow, being able to see bone peeking out, like, mm-hmm. this is a nightmare. Nightmare. Just a little, you know, just a little. Look. It's like you've got the blood <laughs> eye, you've got the root eye, you know, it's like those, ugh, gross. <sighs> I try not to vomit. It's just like, the, it's, it's a waste of good elk. <laughs> right, that too, but just like, you know, your screams are going to echo across <laughs> walls and you can't leave. You know, because it's not safer outside for you than it is inside, you know? It's the literal yeah, that's true. lesser of two horrors. The cave. It's like the series episode eight, but like times a thousand yeah. with the Ooh. face falling off and shit. Mm. The eyeball rotted out. Yeah. Yeah. But, and but. then, yeah, the mushrooms growing from his brow. I'm like, oh no. Um, Real quick, if only someone would have put this on a TV near us. Mm. For real though, like I felt, I felt really... <sighs> Cheated? Yeah, Max von Sydowen for yeah. what? Yeah. And for what? I felt cheated. I did. How could you not? And like that he wasn't even there. How could you not feel cheated? They it's had like, the budget. They could have done it. I read, I read the description again. It doesn't have to be in that many again, like, after, like after the show, after, you know, after having read the other books. And it's just like, but you could have done this. <laughs> like, give me the birthmark at least, you know? like I will say, least. because Max von Sydow is a big get. I'm sure, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, such a paycheck you're paying for that I'm I'm sure you don't fuck with him. You know what I mean? They probably were like, thanks for showing up. Here's your money. <laughs> they could have afforded it, though. I don't know. I know. I don't know. They could have. Like, they, well, they, they had the budget of, like, small it. governments. Like, they absolutely could have. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watch Mythic small Quest. Do you guys watch Mythic Quest? Yes, I, I do. So, like in the third it. season. Oh, okay, whatever. But it's just like that—that—that that, that being able <laughs> to take going? control of your actor and be like, "This is what I need from you. Deal with yeah. it." Yes. Tanya watched right. Mythic Quest, especially yeah. since she just started playing D and D. Like, it's you're going to love it. It's so great. Okay, it's on Apple TV. It's funny. It's a fun show. It's really funny. Um, I've been in. How did you also feel? I mean, like you know, seeing. This and like also, you know, the th- the three eyed crow slash I guess they called him the Raven or whatever, three eyed <laughs> Raven in the show, and then like that. that they didn't include Blood Raven like that. I mean, especially with your podcast slash channel being a thousand eyes and one. That was why I wanted to do this chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> redeem it. Redeem it's so it. funny because like Tanya read all the books before me and I started reading I think it was like at the end of season five or maybe that I started I was like wait wait yeah. wait and I was like wait yeah. was, like, before like let me just watch all the things I'll start reading the books and so when I got to this part I was like oh, no shit that's where she got it from oh I love it <laughs> it was so yeah, clever I guess I didn't like, tell oh. you why I came up with the name yeah it's like you meant you mentioned it but it's like to actually like get to that part like after you know having been podcasting about it and then just like yeah no it was beautiful <laughs> thank you thank you thank you i do want to dig into that though after after we finish the chapter because we were almost there and like dig into the the history behind your love of thousand eyes and one etc in a bit <laughs> but i do like the language though when they finally meet him and they say he's like being embraced by the roots like a child i'm like oh like the children of the forest mm. but also that 
the roots like slash thrown around him. I thought it was just cute, right? They describe it as being like a nest. I'm like, oh, because he's a three-eyed crow. Ha, cute, cute. <laughs> I didn't even thought about that. <laughs> it's funny that you yeah. say that. I mean, it's not cute at all. It, did, it didn't make me think of that. It made me remember the fifth season where they get to the node mm. maintainer station. Oh, the node maintainers. Yeah. Oh. It made me think of that. And I was like, well, this is not a peaceful existence. <laughs> this is rot. No. It's fraught with troubles. The, I think he has a lot of troubles, but yeah. Yeah, the node. I still think George hasn't written anything as brutal for me as uh, the first node man- maintainer scene with uh, when they find that. I was, oh. yeah, that was really upsetting. Like, more upsetting than a... a reading a book should be <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. It, that, it's at that point like when i do the rereads that i'm just like i should just stop here like it makes you want to put put it down walk away because i don't know that i can sign up for what comes after this it's just such a deliciously awful description read the situation. broken earth series guys and k jemison that's our boo yeah. eliana something you pointed out here about how he looks like a child is interesting because it kind of reminds me of how Bran saw his body in the last chapter through Hodor's eyes mm. as a small, like, child uh. on the ground. And there's also something in it, like, Bloodraven himself is a menacing, powerful figure in history, right? The way that it's spoken of. You know, he'll, he goes down in history books as being this tough figure who had his, you know, his own little personal entourage army, the Raven's Teeth, and, you know, this badass, and that he is supposed to be the Three-Eyed Crow and this ultimate green seer and supposed to be like this huge menace and here he is enthroned and wrapped and tangled in all these roots helpless just like Bran right just like Bran helpless and looks like a child that's what he looks like now mm-hmm. that's blood raven that is so interesting how it's presented like his reputation should precede him but here he is weak and small wrapped in a tree mm-hmm. forgotten and buried yeah it kind of is forgotten and buried if you go back to brand thinking a tree can't hurt you what does he think now yeah <laughs> it looks pretty painful to me dude mm-hmm. like how long did it take for the tree to essentially chew him up evil dead style <laughs> <laughs> yeah and for this person to convince you that this is what you have to become like this is your future uh-huh. hi or you can turn back around and walk back home oh shit or not. Yeah. He's like, I know you can't, Bran. And so that's very rude also. Yeah. <laughs> Got, him. Got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, for the legal dis- not, yeah, definition, Tanya, is that coercion? <laughs> I think so. I really think. <laughs> I think it's a lot of things. <laughs> coercion, false imprisonment. Child endangerment. Child endangerment, yeah. yeah. yeah we could go on. There's a lot of things going on here. Yeah, you're right. It's not a compelling argument. Mm-mm. It's funny because like whenever you like read it as a reader here for the journey, you're like, oh sick. There's a guy like in a tree wrapped up, and then you think about what it would be like actually being there. And you're like, I would not want that for myself. Yeah, no. I would not want that for myself at all. Are you the three-eyed crow? Bran heard himself say. A three-eyed crow should have had three eyes. He has only one, and that one red. Bran could feel the eye staring at him, shining like a pool of blood in the torchlight. Where his other eye should have been, a thin white root grew from an empty socket, down his cheek and into his neck. A crow? The pale lord's voice was dry. His lips moved slowly as if they had forgotten how to form words. Once I, 
black of garb and black of blood. The clothes he wore were rotten and faded, spotted with moss and eaten through with worms, but once they had been black. I have been many things, Bran. Now I am as you see me, and now you will understand why I could not come to you, except in dreams. I have watched you for a long time, watched you with a thousand eyes of one. I saw your birth and that of your Lord Father before you. I saw your first step, heard your first word, was part of your first dream. I was watching when you fell, and now you are come to me at last, Brandon Stark, though the hour is late. I'm here, Bran said. Only, I'm broken. Will you, will you fix me? My legs, I mean? No, said the Pale Lord. That is beyond my power. Bran's eyes filled with tears. We came such a long way. The chamber echoed to the sound of the Black River. You will never walk again, Bran, the Pale Lips promised. But you will fly. If you haven't guessed, this is probably one of my favorite passages. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. She recited it from memory. Tell us about you and Blood Raven. Yeah. No? So after I read these five, I was absolutely hooked and I went back to read uh, Night of the Seven Kingdoms. But before it was all put together, when Blood Raven showed up, and you know, revealed himself and everything, and the way people talked about him, I just, I just thought he was so cool as a character, and even, even the way he violated like all the rules of society to end the rebellion and accepted his fate to go to the wall, like, and and that his raven's teeth went with him, like I just found him such mm. a powerful figure and just, just cool. That's it. I, I just thought Blood Raven was so cool. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, to do all that really now he's the, that. now he's the three eyed crow. Like what a life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a rich history. <laughs> rich history. <laughs> yeah. He did. He did. And like even richer history, right? Because he can see all of like the history. Yeah. <laughs> you think about it. He was like he was dutiful. He wasn't overly ambitious or anything. Mm-hmm. He he did his job. He did it mm. well. He did things that put him in a bad light and ruined his reputation, but in service to the realm. Yeah. And then accepted his punishment, just accepted it. And the fact that all those people followed him shows what they thought of him as well. They, he was highly respected. They didn't follow him, I think, out of fear. They followed him because that's their dude. And yeah. he goes, they go. Yeah. So I like that you were also talking about, you know, the rest of his history, right? His role in the Blackfire Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think about about that and like also blood raven like says you know he had a brother he loved and a brother he hated um and which brothers which people you think those were the one he hated is most certainly bitter steel obviously sister he loved we know that one yeah yeah right. i guess we Shira. know that one yeah. Yeah, yeah i think the debated one is really like the brother he loved right was it yeah. damon was it darren did he actually love darren who was it which brother well, certainly not the blackfire one I kind of sometimes think he loved Damon, right? But he was, like, so into the realm. That he had to kill the person he loves. Mm. Or, yeah, his sons, rather. Yeah. Well, you know how that goes with the bastard brother that kills something he loves and has to go to the wall, thanks to his brother who's now a king, or his cousin who's a king. Nephew? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. Nephew, cousin, you know? It's like a little little bit of each. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Family tree is a bush. 
Major fucking John vibes, though. Like Major John and Tyrion vibes. I get a lot of Tyrion vibes from Bloodraven, right? Of like mm. him doing what was good for the realm, even if it looked like violently awful from the outside, like he was doing what he thought was the right choice. Mm. You could also argue that Tywin did what he thought was mm. good for the realm, even though it That's true. was a horrible choice, you know? You could argue that. That could, is a good point. You could argue it. You know, he Great, right? He ended a essentially ended a war where who knows how many would have died. He just had to, as he said, murder a few people at dinner. <laughs> but <laughs> he didn't have them for dinner. So there's no, that. There is that. There is that. Actually, and you know what? It didn't even fall on Tywin. So he, it wasn't even that he accepted his reputation being ruined. He kind of just let the fray reputation be ruined. So never mind. I take that back. That was fucked up. <laughs> and yeah i guess the boltons still no one knows do you think who do you think blood raven had to eat to, to... the fuck eliana well i'm just i just want to know assume to his now some... that I, I i just came up with that question now to assume his new throne yeah well do we have any really like who were the named protectors on his little raven's teeth I, we don't ever get names of the raven's teeth but i am sure that he ate a couple of them yeah mm. and i imagine they're the ones who went with him ranging you know across the wall yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah i would say one of one of his raven's teeth had to be munched on his own joge yeah his own joja cola yeah but yeah i i don't know it's kind of messed up that we didn't get all this yeah yeah, yeah i wanted more it's just like such an interesting character and such an important one like you feel like you just come on do him do him justice. Let it play out. They d- I don't think they really cared that much about that part of the story. Which what seems gave like it away? Strange. <laughs> what gave it, makes it away? Sense. It's like the it's like one of the most interesting parts of the story, right? Like like creepy horror zombie shit, like and guy in tree. How is that not interesting? Yeah. I think they shot they shied away a lot from like the more fantastical elements. Like, they very much wanted it to be just, like, a medieval war story uh, with, with just houses fighting, and they really, I think they just really shied away from, you know, the magic of it. It was a shame, because yeah. it could, I mean, I don't know, if they had to shoot it all again starting now, I think the magic could have, could be written into it differently. Maybe there was some apprehension on how we represent magic. We already gotta do these fucking dragons, like, <laughs> chill. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some dragons, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and to the points that you both made earlier too of like that he's world building so much of this that we start the series with this magic right mm-hmm. and like this mystery of exactly what's going on and he builds it up and they didn't put the work in yeah. i mean yeah. that's plain and simple they quit putting work in all the foreshadowing they put in led up to season three actually though yeah so yeah and, that's that's wanna, and i also just want to point out for the fun of it it's just that the sound echoed to the chamber of the black river you know, and just like how Black River mm. is just keeping, think Brendan Rivers. Every time I read it, that's like my brain is substituting oh. it, substituting that there. And Ooh. I'm like, oh, did he ah. do that on purpose? Even though the Black that. Dragon, the Black Dragon. Mm-hmm. Mm. I haven't thought about that. That's a, that's a great point. Like that, that his uh, last name really does tie into the, all that river stuff. Huh. Time. Yeah. Yeah. If it had ended right here, I think I would have been still been thrilled just though really? but but you will fly and just like leaving it there like before we even get into all the other stuff of him learning like i feel like it could have ended here and, and brought the rest into and the next book but of course we still waiting but you know 
but I would have been happy with it ending mm. right here. I just I lo- I love the way it ended. Yeah, you get horror, you get relief, you get like suspense, you get a little bit of romance, you know. Like, does he tell Mira <laughs> in this next episode? Does he tell Mira yeah. that he loves her? Um, yeah, instead what of does like he the mean he'll stale, fly? Mm-hmm, the stale piece of bread that we get later. It's a perfect cutoff. Yeah. Like, there was a chapter that George pushed to the Winds of Winter, and I can see now, like, by these two chapters, I can exactly see why he pushed that, right? Like, you could actually do something, you could make it pretty pleasing to end this book. With- well, it reminds me of the ending of Game of Thrones where the dragons are born. Yes. Mm. Yes. And it just, we just are left there with dragons have been born. What now? <laughs> That's true. This could have ended the book. Yeah. Like the whole of like a dance with dragons. But, I, well, also, I mean, we did get a good ending, I guess, with that epilogue with the other little birds. Mm. I think it sets you up for it to be able to just believe that impossible things can happen, right? It's like, okay, here is this, here is this man who is, you know, literally. Mm. strapped in via vines and roots to this chair but also it's just giving you the expectation that you know help can come from impossible places i mean mm. not to not to discredit someone because they're crippled or whatever you know like you there's still a power yeah. there's still power in store for you and you just have to ask for it that's interesting i do wonder how that would like unfold for like their relationship right like because brand still doesn't Obviously, doesn't seem to believe that, but like, how does Bl- Blood Raven approach that um, concept of like being disabled and not being able to move, but different kinds of power? Mm. And then he's all out here, like, I don't know. I, I for one, would be like, what the fuck? And Bran doesn't really process this when the guy's like, yeah, I saw when you were born, um, and like when you were talking, and then also uh, when you fell, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Couldn't give me a fucking heads up, right? <laughs> Like, yeah. come to me in my dream and say, Bran, don't climb that tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, that, I don't know if that's what the birds were doing there. They were like, hey, Bran, what's up? But they didn't stop him. That's true. Yeah, they're just they're like, like, come mm, on. Hello. Come on. You know you it's want to. Happen, you can't interfere. If he hadn't fallen, none prime of this would Yeah. <laughs> Observe yeah. only. Yeah. It was a, he knew and he knew it had to happen. Well, Love it. The ink's not dry yet, though. The ink's not dry. Mm. It's certainly not. It hasn't even been printed. (laughs) (laughs) I just want like the World Star logo, but it's Word Star over George writing the books. (laughs) (laughs) Word Star, come on, George. We believe in you, George. We do. Throw the book, George. No hate mail coming from us. We can promise you that. No, no, not at all. Leave George alone. Thank you. Agreed. Well, any final closing thoughts before we take her home? I don't know. It was really exciting to read this chapter again, especially when this is supposed to be my year of my reread. Um, because I got Ooh. yeah, I got all tangled up in all things Sanderson last year. So therefore, I'm trying to commit to my reread for this year. But it was just, it was just nice to like. I don't know if it makes me want to go back and watch the show again, but it does make me eager to jump back into the books. And and kind of like yeah. give it the reread that it deserves since I've read through Stormlight three times already. <laughs> really, <laughs> it's time for a break. those are long books. Yeah, they are really long. I'm addicted to Sanderson. The audiobooks are like are like fifty hours. Yeah, wow, <laughs> it's incredible. That's a fixation. But it's That's so amazing. good. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. It's so good. I gotta say though, now that I've like seen this again, it's just 
Sanderson has a very compelling writing style, right? He like sucks you in, but George is like the writing. It's like every sentence is intentional and perfect and beautiful and like mm, yeah. just on its own. Yeah. So the pros. The, the, the pros. pros. It's so good. Oh, yeah. every time I read it and every time like you got me again. Yeah, George. it's just like how much <laughs> I missed I missed his writing style and writing cuz like Tanya and I have spoken about this on like on our podcast, but there's be times when I was reading it and like I wouldn't realize that like, the subway had gone by. Like I was deep into the book and like I didn't hear it come, I didn't hear it leave. I would just look around and be the only person on the platform, you know, that for, that missed the train I was waiting for because I was just so <laughs> deeply in it. Uh, no, I definitely had moments where I was coming from Harlan, just trying to head downtown, and I looked up and I was in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, I was like, <laughs> like, oh shit, how much time has passed? <laughs> yeah. Mistakes were made. Mm. Mistakes were definitely made. So good. No, this yeah. is great. I really, I'm really glad you guys had us on for this chapter. This has been really great. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm just glad we get the thousand eyes in one. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? For the thousand eyes in one chapter. I was like, we have to have chapter. them on for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it felt right. Aww, we're happy to uh, be here. For everyone listening in, could you two talk about where to find you on the internet? And we will obviously drop links below as well. And take it away, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> for previous episodes. Actually, we've been spending <laughs> we've been spending a lot of time on YouTube. So go to mm-hmm. our YouTube, yeah. A Thousand Eyes on One Podcast. We're posting episodes there and we're doing live streams. And so that's where a lot of stuff is living. But for our much older um, episodes, you can go to thousandeyespodcast.com and you'll see them there. And we're on all the different podcast platforms. Um, our social media, if you want book club stuff, it's Instagram, Wine on an Empty Stomach. There we cover just speculative fiction that's not Song of Ice and Fire. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that's Thousand Eyes One O N E. You'll find me there. You'll find Nikki at our Instagram, A Thousand Eyes and One. And our Facebook is a toss up because both of us forget about it. And then jump in and post a bunch of shit at once. And that is also. That was me. (laughs) Yeah, it was you. (laughs) And that is also a thousand eyes and one. So, yeah. Yeah. Coming up, we have um, some more 30 Tuesdays. That's on the YouTube channel. And more book club, Wine on Empty Stomach. So, yeah, YouTube is is where we're living right now. But on Instagram, where we're living this month, well, for March, because March is National Readers Month. You'll be getting oh. 15 books from me and 15 books from Tanya in our stories, probably. We haven't figured wow. it out. Or, you know, 15 and a, and maybe we 15 We have too many each. that overlap. But, yeah, 15, <laughs> but we can, like, choose one uh, where we overlap to be, like, the 31st. Or we haven't worked out the logistics of it. But we'll be sharing. There's lots of stuff that we both have, like, that we haven't read. Like, that we don't have in common, yeah. I should say. That, we're, yeah. that we'll be posting on there. Because shout out to books and your libraries and all the things. Yeah, support your local library. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well... Thank you again for joining us. I can't wait to bring you back for another brand chapter, you know, like when the Winds of Winter drops next year. Ah, yes. When I have my <laughs> gra- when I'll be watching my grandchildren. Hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, retirement. Yes. <laughs> can't You'll wait. Be... You've been yeah. walking 200 years. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, 
Well, if anyone wants to, you know, keep up with us or like, you know, especially when Wins One Day comes out, you can find us on social media at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon, that's C-A-N-O-N. Or if you have thoughts that you want to send to us before the very last Bryn chapter that we will read because it is the very last Bryn chapter, you can send it to us at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Yeah, I know that we're getting all those good speculations on who's next. Spoilers I'm not telling you yet. You're going to have to keep your ears peeled. And we will, of course, announce that during the last Branisode for the next episode. So make sure you're subscribed to us on a podcast platform near you, whether that is Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. And of course, you can always find us on patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we have bonus episodes in February's Was the Mystery Night, March's To Be Announced. Those are for patrons in the Stranger Tier and above, and you can access our Patreon Discord uh, in the Thunder Tier and above. Yeah, patrons in the Thunder Tier and above actually will get early access to the new POV very soon. So keep your eyes peeled on your Patreon feed so you can know before everyone else, Thunder Tier and above. And of course, you'll get access to our monthly happy hour slash brunch for March, which will be announced date-wise very soon. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Thank you very much for joining us, Thousand Eyes and One podcast. Thank Thank you, you, Tanya and Nikki. Thank you.